Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. That time of the week again, the Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL tour. Back after another epic weekend of NRL action box head. We've had a couple of golden point blockbusters, a blowout, plenty of drama, and the injuries have continued, unfortunately. They have, yeah. It was golden weekend for the NRL. Uh, round four. So, pitch is starting to get a little bit clearer. It is. And in a couple of weeks' time, like we said, we'll let the power rankings take place. So, probably after round six, I think, when we've got probably five or oh, sorry, six rounds a quarter of the season out of the way, we'll have a better idea and we'll start counting down one to eight. Every single weekend, but jumping straight in as we always do, set of six. Any questions, thoughts, topics, or anything we had from the weekend or round that was number one? Uh, I know the fans are probably sick of hearing it on this show, but the injuries, oh, I can't believe at this point in the year. Um, part of it is it down to surfaces of where they're playing? Is the fatigue being brought back into the game from ball being in play? Is it just sheer accident? Uh, I think most of them so far would be down to an accident. Aaron Woods is one on the weekend, the foot injury. Uh, Dylan Napa twisting very early on in the game. That syndesmosis was pretty bad. Tommy Turbo, just a reoccurrence of another injury. Sims with a broken arm. It's It's been a bit of a horror start to the year. But, yeah, it, 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 I, I can't remember a year starting like this or such a balance across the competition so early of injuries to big-name players. Well, that's it. Yeah, that's right. Um, I think it's probably a mixture of a few... The SCG, like that's the obvious one, and Brookvale, the two that are coming under criticism in terms of surface. But, you know, there was a rugby union game played at Brookvale, which, you know, tore that ground up. There was a rugby union played uh, game played at the SCG, tore that up. Uh, there was an A League game at the SCG on Saturday, which there was injuries. So I think that both of those need to be looked at by the NRL, I think, in terms of the playability. But outside of that, I just think it's early in the year. Um, the players have done a a crap load of training, as we know. Uh, I think ball in play has definitely got something to do with it. And the other side of it is just luck. It's, it's luck, pot luck. So, Tom, like, Tom Trevojevic is one. Any that are a reoccurring injury, you have to question the club. Have, yeah. they, have they brought him back too early? Was the rehab strenuous enough? Uh, so that's something that I'm sure that the club will be looking at as well. But other than that, there's not a lot you can do. We're playing a collision sport. Uh, and I think the weather's been pretty kind. We, we haven't had a lot of hot weather. Usually this time of the year we have a couple of real scorches and games where there has to be drinks breaks, but we've been very lucky in this first month. There hasn't been a lot of hot weather. Uh, we've had a couple of hot days here in Sydney the last few days, but other than that, this month's been either pissing down rain or you know humid. We haven't had many scorches. So I think all in all it's just a little bit of potluck, I, I would gather, and just one of those anomalies it is this year. Yeah, well, I think the team who probably felt it the most on the weekend would be the Sharks. Obviously lost Woods in game. Moylan last week, long-term. Gallon didn't play. 
Sean Johnson pulled out before the game. Dugan, he was up and down like a yo-yo on the weekend. There's a million injuries he had during game. But interesting to see their lineup this weekend and pulling through on the Roosters. The Roosters have been real resilient so far in terms of injury. And again, on the weekend, Jared Rhea Hargraves, Morris, Friend all out. And then Cronk having a reoccurrence of his injury after having a couple of weeks off. So um, there's been a toll early on, but... It'll be interesting because some of the teams that have these injuries, it may have an effect later on in the year on the ladder. That's for sure. Yeah, of course. So it always does. See how that plays out. Number two, uh, I guess one that a lot of people are talking about. Uh, no offence, I'm, I'm not super interested in it because he's left our game. But Valentine Holmes, obviously today being picked up in the NFL as part of the international program. So the way you explain it to me, I'm a big fan of the NFL, but I've never really paid attention to this. Every year there's a pathway program. They have seven or so players go there. It's allocated to one of the divisions. So this year it's the AFC East. It rotates, yeah. Yep. So AFC East is the Patriots, the Jets, the Buffalo Bills, and the Miami Dolphins. Four players have to get picked up and put on the squad. So potentially for Valentine Holmes, out of the seven guys, he's been one of the players that's been picked up by the New York Jets. He now has an opportunity to make a 53-man roster. But if he doesn't, he ends up on a practice squad and unlike other players who can be picked up during the year as free agents or cut and put on the waiver wire, he has to stay there for the whole year. So if he doesn't make the 53-man squad, I think for the year, the maximum earning on a practice squad is like eighty to 110000 or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's about 120 US. So for me, it's as simple as this. I don't think Valentine Holmes is going to come back to the, NFL, uh, the NRL this year. That's my gut feeling. I don't know anything. I don't have any inside mail, but I just find it hard that he would be putting in all this effort. Yeah. The NRL season is already four weeks old. He's not going to be in the picture for State of Origin. Uh, if he wants to go to North Queensland, he's going to have to come back to Cronulla. They're then going to have to work out a deal with North Queensland. So even the sooner, the soon as that would happen would be another month. So therefore, he's going to come back to play 14 games around that. I just think he's going to um, bite his tongue, see it out, um, get to around August, I think, when... You know the, the the final squads are announced, so he can either make this final fifty-two or he gets put on a practice squad. If he gets put on the practice squad for the year, no other club can pick him up. They cannot activate him off the practice squad. What basically happens is, is all thirty-two NFL franchises have got ten players because these teams in the AFC East have been allocated the players from the uh, the international program. They've got eleven. Yep. So it, it gives them compensation. The NFL basically pays for them to, for one of these players to train with one of these franchises each year. Learn. Correct. Yep. So he will then go around, um, and then there, and then the, the process would start again the year after. He would then be able to either be signed as a free agent onto the roster, then be cut. Um, I, I think what would happen is I, I think Valentine will play until the end of this season because you know the regular season finishes in the end of December, New Year, that'll give him enough time to say, okay, I've either I've, I've seen a year, I've been on a practice squad a year, I've either made it or I haven't, I'm going to get a better indication on where I'm at, what's going on, am I going to make it potentially the year after? If the, if the answer to that is no, I think you'll come back to the NRL. If he comes back to the NRL next year in 2020, he's basically free to go wherever the hell he wants. This year, he's got the clause and there's written into the contract, he has to go back to Cronulla, they then have to negotiate compensation and the the conversation is going to be obviously between the Cowboys and the Sharks but I just think this year he'll he'll go to the NFL, he'll give it a crack he's going to be living in New York, I could think of worse places to live um, and he's put in all this time and effort and look I would love to see him make it I, I, I really really would but I don't think he will 
Well, I, I don't think he will, just because I, there's so much for him to overcome. But for him to even get this far, for him to be selected out of the top four of those seven, I think is a fantastic achievement. To even be anywhere near a, a squad in the NFL is a huge achievement for Valentine Holmes. Yeah, and I think the big thing here is I, I'm, I'm with your thought. I think he'll get the off-season games and they don't have to cut those international players and they get to keep them regardless. So Why wouldn't he? Even if he wanted to make the decision, it would be now. I'm either in for the practice squad or I'm not. And all indications are today he is in for that. So the soonest he would be available would be too late to be registered in the yeah, NRL I, anyway. I, don't, I, th- I think he's at a point where I don't think he can back out of this now. I think part of signing on to this is that you can't then get well, to the point where he is now and say, no, nah, sorry, well, I, think I don't you have to do accept, it. But he's clearly accepted from all indications yeah. today. But by the time he is released, it's too late this year. So regardless, it looks like this point, like you said, the soonest he will be back is next year. Mm. So if he gets to August... Yeah, but we don't know that. That's just our... That's my opinion. I'm sure, though, if you got to the practice squad point at that time of year that he'd consider quitting or only staying... I guess, long enough to get an indication. And if it got closer to October, November, where he'd been there for two or three months and it wasn't looking good, mm. I think he would bail out and head back for a pre-season here. Well, why wouldn't he? In December, because means he misses all that slog beforehand as he's, well. He's missed out potentially this year on a $900,000 deal or further at North Queensland. So if you're only going to start a practice squad and it's not looking likely to make it the year after on the minimum wage for the NFL of about 580000 he's still behind anyway. Mm. Because over here, plus rep money for Origin, 30000 a game, Australian games, he could potentially make a million plus a season. But he gets a free crack now. So we'll see what happens. And I guess around August, September, we'll have a better idea of what the future holds for Valentine Holmes. Moving on, tackle three in our set of six, the three Golden Point games on the weekend. Outstanding. They were, yeah. I hate Golden Point. I hate... I don't hate extra time. I hate Golden Point. I hate that it just turns into a field goal-a-thon. Um, I think there was a few times, particularly in the Dragons-Knights uh, game, where the referees just didn't penalise clear penalties. Um, so I, I just don't like that part of it. I, I, I get the excitement around it. I didn't realise it's been 18 years. I... 17 years since its inception. They're now talking about changing the rules around it. I suggested a few years ago that uh, a win outside of Golden Point would be three points. Yeah. A Golden Point win would be two and a um, golden point loss would be one. But to me, you're getting rewarded for not being able to close it out in 80 minutes. So I'm at the point where I said what I've said before. It's well, either how, a draw. Yeah. It's I, either just a draw. Well, you or know my you, thoughts on it. I hate it. I like a I, draw. I want the draw or I want the next 10 minutes to be open slather, just so the field goal of one doesn't happen. Well, yeah, you can f- kick a field goal, but that's not the end of the that's game. That's not the end of the yeah, game. Just correct. like the finals. So you could still win. Penrith could still win 9-8, but yeah. they need it need to be the end the, of the 10. The finals yeah. rules now, which yeah. is you play the 10 minutes. Well, so why the hell do we have golden point during regular season and then extra time during the oh. finals? It, that, that, there's no consistency there. That's after there the grand either. final the other year. That was too cruel to kick a field goal to lose that grand final when Ben Hunt dropped the ball. But, again, have a rule for but the But how is it year. any different for the – yeah, that's right, the regular season. Or right? only have that rule for Seems in the strange. finals and have none. But I, I look at the games and in particular, I thought the one you just mentioned, the Dragons, Knights, that one deserved to be a draw of my eyes. It was ugly. I didn't think either of those sides were really outstanding, whereas the South Manly one I thought was a real tight tussle and a real affair. And then you got Tigers-Penrith, which, again, I, I didn't think either side was great. But for Penrith to be able to take it there and steal it in Golden Point – you felt as soon as they scored that try and kicked the goal from the sideline that momentum went with them. Um, at, at times, yeah, I'd rather the extra 10 minutes or just a draw, in all honesty. But yep. I get the spectacle. We were at the, gra- the ground for Penrith. Uh, the finish was epic. The crowd went off. It's always great to be around that kind of thing, but it just feels cruel. And then seven tackle sets being punished for trying to kick a field goal. Even that rule. like some, Surely you've got to modify something around that. 
you, you shouldn't be punished for trying to win the game. Mm. You're not putting in an attacking kick or a bomb or putting a poor kick in. You are trying to kick a field goal to win the game. How that then turns into an extra bullet in the chamber to send the other field straight up, our team upfield to kick the field goal, I don't really agree with. So even that rule, whether that gets modified or could be looked at, that field goals in golden point, maybe not regular time, turn into a non-seven tackle set if, as a way to close it out. But yeah, I don't know. It's one of those things. Some people love it. Some people hate it. For me, in season, I'd be happy for the draw or the same rules as the finals. If you're going to make them play... I think it's the same. It's got to be the same. Yeah. You've got to be consistent. If you're going to make them play, make them play the 10 minutes. Yeah. And whoever wins, whether it's a field goal or a try or two field goals in there, I'm happy with it. But, yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Some close games, at least. I'll give it that way. Uh, tackle four. Latrell Mitchell. Uh, there was a bit of a report that there might have been an incident why he went back to visit Tari and at the same time the other New South Wales centre yeah, James Roberts and a picture coming out of him seemingly being blind drunk uh, only a day or two after having an Achilles injury probably not too good for his rehab program probably not too good a look for a bloke who's had time uh, in a rehab centre to try and clean up the alcohol side of things for more reports I get on the Latrell Mitchell thing he wasn't directly involved it was a group of friends and something happened there I don't have enough information to read in on that side of things mm. but well, it was said that that he wasn't involved. He it got in a verbal altercation with a security guard. Still dumb. It is. Dumb. And the, the whole thing is that, that whole argument about, oh, you know, they during the season they're professionals and they don't drink. Bullshit. Like, if, if they've got a window to have a beer, yeah, these he, guys are having a beer. They're like home. everyone else. He's had the long weekend. Yeah. So it's dumb. Um, has he got caught in the wrong place, wrong time? Probably. I, there's, there's said to be, you know, I heard a headline last night on, I think it was on Fox Sports News, saying that Latrell Mitchell spiralling out of control. Like, mm. I, I don't Doubtful. know. I've got, I've got more concern over James Roberts and Greg Inglis, to be fair, um, than what I do Latrell Mitchell. I think Latrell Mitchell's doing some dumb things on the field, uh, but he's young and he's still learning. He's aggressive. He's finding that line. Yeah. Uh, I think you know Tavita Pangai Jr. at the moment is flirting with that line as well between being elite and being stupid, and he's. You know, at times he's elite, at times he's stupid. So yep. I think Latrell's doing just as much. Um, it's a concern. It, the James Roberts one is a concern. The Greg Inglis one, that's news just to hand that he's been given indefinite leave by uh, South Sydney for mental health issues or, or leave for issues, um, a private issue. So it's said to be that he's, that he's having some mental health issues, which is terrible news. Terrible news. And and how much of an impact did the media bagging the shit about, shit out of him for his weight have to do with that? I don't, I don't think it's anyone's responsibility apart from the clubs to judge a player's weight. Because Greg, Greg Inglis has gone... Greg Inglis is like me and you. He he could put on a kilo by having a milkshake. Mm. He could also... That well, it's like... We, we've played with a guy like... Your body shape is your body shape. The only person who's, you know, should be worried about his weight is Greg and the club. Yeah. And... Clearly, he's got injuries. I, I, as and well. clearly, that's affected him because he, he brought it up when he had the interview on League Life that Kenny yeah. had given him a bit of stick about his weight and saying that he was out of shape or whatever. You know, like, can we not? I don't know. I just think we need to be more sensitive about how we attack players through the media, particularly players with a with a history who are going through some hard things off the field. He's been nothing but an absolute champion of our game. Um, he fucked up with the drink driving charge. We've all cocked up in life. Mm. I think Greg Inglis has done by far and away more good for the game than what he has bad. Yeah. I think it's a really, really sad state at the moment with Greg Inglis in that he's now had to have leave. 
Well, clearly, um, he just doesn't look in a good headspace. He's carrying injuries. Yeah, well, he had a shoulder or slash neck problem in the off-season. We know for a couple that of no years one knew now, about. he's had a knee problem. He's got two more years to run on his deal. And this is the other thing yesterday, people talking in the media again, like, is he just trying to drag himself to the finish line? I'm like, well, that's not your choice, whether he's got a contract and he's got more injuries that have popped up and whether him and Souths have a talk about that, where he's at physically or whatnot. But you can't force somebody out of the game suddenly just because they're because having Because you think you know best. You think, because you, you think know, you know best. You don't know best. They signed that contract. That's between Souths and Greg Inglis. Like, have, mm. have your opinion. That's all well and good. But you, you don't know the other side of the fence because, again, that is between But for me, this isn't player. something that's subjective. His weight is his weight. There'd be a number. They oh. would know his weight. Yeah, so if that. there's an issue between him and with him and his weight and the club, that's between them. One thing I do agree with, though, and it came out, uh, I think through James Hooper, that Wayne Bennett has told Greg Inglis that he will not play if he needs to be needled. So Good. It's, I think that's a fantastic stance to have made. Again, with Brad Arthur this week and Dylan Brown telling him, even though he's telling him his back's fine, he's got these hot spots, it's about time that a coach and a club started to worry about Absolutely. the players' welfare rather than results. Because at the end of the day, they're judged on results. They keep their jobs uh, based on this. But we've seen far too much in the past. Obviously, it used to be a badge of honour to be concussed or to be injured and play through it. But look at some of the old blokes you meet or we've met at some luncheons or some functions and bits and pieces and, and the damage that has been done, yeah. whether it be physically or mentally and knees, shoulders, necks, backs. Like We're in this, this day and age where we have all this information available, high performance, sports science, look after doctors, them, yeah. physios, coaches. Like At the end of the day, it's a product, yes, the players are the product, but they need to be taken care of because there's a long, long life after football. Yeah. There's a long, long life after football. But Particularly with Dylan Brown. Like, Jesus, you wouldn't want to be pushing that kid at all. Yeah, I, I think yeah, there's there's been some injuries. And, I, again, to, to these caliber of players or some issues. I think the James Roberts one, I look at that from a Brisbane perspective, that really worries me. They kind of said it was a poor decision. They'll work through it with him and all, all the other bits and pieces. But Poor. That's poor. I think for him, and again, I don't want to go there, but from a club perspective, with Katoni Staggs and a couple other young guys on the cards, if James Roberts was to slip up after his past indiscretions, there'd be a very easy way for Brisbane to move on. And I, I'd, I'm sure there would be a club to jump back in again and take an opportunity if they want to make the risk, but James Roberts needs to keep toeing the line. Last year, you know, he finally kind of steadied the ship. He played origin football. He reached the heights that we kind of expected. Let's hope that he's... Well, you know what, now, he's going to have trouble getting back in because I think Katoni Staggs, he looks a superstar. Well, this is the thing. I'm not going to to put that tag on him now. He looks a superstar. But for me, if I'm Anthony Seabold, there is absolutely no way that James Roberts just comes walks back into this side. No. Staggs came in, I thought, and did a good job against Melbourne. He held his own on the weekend against the Roosters, the two best teams last year's grand finalists. So they're no mugs. No. Um, I'd, I'd be keeping him in there. He's done nothing wrong, Stags. And, and with the past indiscretions, though, I think that's it. the biggest issue for him. He has past indiscretions. If he does stuff up, they yeah. have somebody there that they can move on with. Correct. And we know that they paid heavily for Jack Bird, so if they're looking for a bit of a relief, James Roberts definitely needs to toe the line. Last year he played Origin. Things like this can't happen. So let, let's hope he keeps his well, head pulled in. But New South Wales suddenly got some issues. Well, You've got Trebojevic out. You've got Robertson, Mitchell in a little bit of hot water. I'm sure the Roosters and Robinson, Politis, etc. will bring Luttrell in and tell him if he's going to go home to Tari on the weekend. There was some good stuff that he did on the weekend. He was at some young footballers' games. He took a million of photos. He gave a million autographs. But if you're going to go out, you've got to avoid the drama. Mm. So I'm sure they'll give him that side of things. But... Yeah, I, I think for both of those guys, particularly Roberts, considering his past, he really needs to be careful. Yeah. Because he's got someone breathing down his neck if he does 
slip up. Would totally agree. Yeah. Uh, the GI situation again, people questioning that. I, I think someone who's got that status, like you said, at the end of the day, with all the issues and injuries he's got at the moment, just leave him alone. He's I, earned, he's I, earned the right. I, I know from a South perspective, I'm sure at some point if I they think it's did, poor. it's so poor. If they want to have a chat at some point with him about moving forward and the years left in his body, they'll have that conversation. But that's not for other people to tell Greg Inglis he should retire. They he's, don't know. Yeah, that's yeah. between South and Greg Inglis. I, I think I think it's really sad. It's to me, it's sad. I think he's done so much for the Indigenous game as well and the Indigenous community. You know, he always plays in those Aboriginal knockouts. Like that's where he that's where he had his drink driving charge. You know, I'm not. There's no excuse for that. I, I won't make an excuse for him for that. But he was out in Dubbo trying to do the right thing, giving back to his community. I I don't know. I, I just think it's it's poor. I think he's been treated pretty poorly, and I think he's emotionally fragile. He's had some things going on off the field, and it's got to a point now where. He's had to take time away from the game. He should be out there playing. That's what he should be doing. And if he's not, he should be there rehabbing and everyone should be behind him, wanting him back on the field, mm. not kicking him while he's down. I, yeah, it's disappointing. Well, I think South are handling it the right way. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm not, no, no criticism nah. of any of that is from of South. All, I think all the question marks. The external noise. And, yeah. and to be fair, yeah, I just wish Greg had just not listened to it. I get that, but, but it's, it's hard a bit not hard to. when it there's a 24-hour news cycle yeah. and they need something to talk about. So I get the media has a job to do as well, but just may, maybe talk about something else rather than laying the boot into someone who's played, you know, so many Origins, Australian yeah. Tests, all these games, and is having some clearly injuries and issues, uh, whether that be the fact that he feels like he's near the back end of his career, if it's something more to the personal life, it is the physical. You don't know, but instead of prying in it and constantly jabbing away at it, just leave it leave. alone. Just leave it alone, and hopefully he gets healthy and back on the field. Mm. Uh, tackle five, I was going to bring up that side of things as far as media and a couple of players. Another one who's copping it the last few weeks is Darius Boyd and his time at Brisbane. This one, I think, similar deal again. Uh, you know, plenty of people are hyping up. I know his performances haven't been great. Is it a question of, you know, the, the physical? Is he physically committed anymore? Does he want to play? He's got a couple more years to run. Is it the fact that Wayne's gone now? Is it all the young kids there and the burden of being a veteran playing in a young side and trying to wreck things. Is he frustrated at the halves? I don't know what it is, but again, just, just a lot of noise around some players and in particular in this situation, like I said, his form hasn't been great, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I think this one and the English one like you just brought up was tackle five for me. Just, yeah, I, I know they have to fill the news cycle, but it just seems it, we're very, very quick. We're very, very quick to throw jabs. I feel he's not playing well at fullback. We've said before we don't think he should play there anymore. I called last year for him to move to six and Milford to move back to one. Whether they go that way now that they've got a Sarko there who also has had a rough start to the year and doesn't look as involved on the wing as made some errors, I don't know what they do. But at this point in time, I think something needs to happen as far as positions. And that brings My me... My concern with Boyd going to six is the defensive workload and the fact that he, he either looks injured or in a little bit of self-preservation mode, lacking a little bit of confidence at the moment. That's my only concern. I tend to agree with you. I think they need to look at some sort of change. I think Brisbane are a grand final team, a premiership winning team. However, their halves and fullback aren't playing up to it at the moment. Mm. And moving off that one, being tackle five and those couple of players, you covered most of it. Tackle six was Brisbane and obviously plenty of noise around them this week and Gordon Talis obviously had his blow up on Sunday and Everybody knows the situation right now that a lot of the older Broncos feel that Kevin Walters should have got the job and they're not happy with the way that the club's being run and some of the personalities there and they're hanging on to the past and talking up this group that have achieved nothing yet. And then obviously on the flip side of that, 
you've got the situation now where everyone knows that Sam Ayu, player manager, has control of a lot of these young guys and up to 15, 16 players plus the coach. And they really, really feel that, uh, you know, that's controlling the narrative up at Brisbane partly as well. Yeah, it's a, it's a hard one for me because I've, I've got sort of history, I guess, with Anthony Seabold and I probably am a little bit biased to back him. Um, I also don't rate Kevin Walters as a coach at all. So if, if if you really want my opinion, I think Gordon Tallis, he's entitled to his opinion. I agree with Tallis in the fact that if the players are strutting around like they've won something, then yeah. I get that 100%. They, there's no excuse for the players to be strutting around like they've won anything because they've won nothing. He's 100% right. Um, until they win a premiership and build that club back up to the powerhouse that it once was, I think the players have just got to stay in their, um, I guess, keep their heads in, Yeah. to be fair. From a coaching perspective, I think it's it's Talis getting out publicly to support a mate. I think Anthony Seabold's forgot more about footy than what Kevin Walters knows in terms of coaching. Uh, he's, he's the smartest man I've ever sat in a room with outside of Phil Gould and listened to them talk football. Um, and that's just my opinion. That's, that's my experience. Um, I don't think there was any shock with what he did at South. South looked an absolute... Rabble, they looked unmotivated, they looked flat, uh, and they started last year similar to what the Broncos have this year, and then they picked up. I would, I'd bet my house that Brisbane are going to come good, um, but I don't know that, and they may not. I picked Brisbane to win the competition. So, uh, am I feeling a little bit nervous about them winning the comp? Yeah, I am. I'm, I'm not feeling nervous about them making the eight and making a splash later in the year. My concern now is have they. Are they digging themselves a hole big enough to miss the top four? Because we know that if you miss the top four, you essentially you can't win it. Um, yeah, that, that's my take on it. I, and people can say, "Well, you're biased because you, you've sort of." You, I don't, I don't know Anthony Seabold in that we exchange emails and ring each other up. But I've had enough experience with him to know the kind of operator he is, uh, and I respect him very much as a coach. As, as a coach, you know, like, like if I, he's someone who I'd aspire to be as smart as. And that's that's just my opinion on it. So I would I would be very shocked if they didn't um, if they didn't shoot right up the ladder. And then again, I'd probably revert back to the conversation we had a couple of weeks ago. In that, how much blame does the coach get? Because I, I tell you what, Brisbane are making a shitload of errors and giving away a shitload of penalties. And you know, a lot of their players are doing like look at what Tavita Pangai Jr. dished up against the Cowboys. And then look at the last two weeks, some of the dumb shit he's done on the field the last two weeks. Mm. They should have won the game against. The Dragons, that's a game they threw down the road. They got belted on the weekend, weren't even in that game against the Roosters. Round one, they were, they were within a six-point game against Melbourne, who I thought were sensational in that mm. game. And still almost clawed it. So they've had, a, um, they've had a difficult start to the year, but I think a lot of their problems are self-inflicted. I think if they can hold the ball and uh, execute, I think they'll give the Tigers some real... And this is the other Trouble on argument of did they let too many older heads go? Well, people are saying, oh, Sam Thido's so. a huge loss. Sam Thido was playing 10, 15 no. minutes last year. So the influence... Josh McGuire's a loss. That's a loss. But yeah, to say Sam Thido and a couple of guys that were barely on the field or contributing is another thing. The bigger factor is if you're young forwards and a couple of guys that are, you know, early in their career and one or two that are coming off injuries like Jaden Sewer, Matt Gillette are trying to steer the ship and are kind of struggling, then you've got some spine players that are adjusting to a new system. You've got a pair of halves that are exactly the same. You don't have a game manager, and you've got a fullback at the moment who's not returning the ball, not getting your sets off to good starts. And like it, there's, there's problems everywhere. Yeah. So I think it's come to the point where, like we said before, 
I've always thought Milford was a fullback. I know they've got Osaka, who looks like a fullback as well, but to spark their attack, Darius Boyd last year when he moved to centre, I thought did a pretty good job defensively in the front line and he didn't have to return the kicks. So playing at six, similar defensive position, he sums up those short sides real well. I think it's kind of got to the point now and I don't think the coach will throw caution to the wind just yet and he'll stick to his systems, but I'm at the point now where I think it is maybe time to play Boyd at six and put Milford at one and try and get some spark there. But at the end of the day, it all needs to start in the middle. And they got yeah. absolutely blown apart by the Roosters. So if their forward pack doesn't go forward, their halves have got no hat. They also they just didn't hold enough ball. They had like 35% possession or something at half time. Yeah. Like it's, and you're never going to win games like here that. is they still don't have a seven, regardless of what anyone thinks. Even with the go forward and if everything's going right, I like Cody Nicarima, but I still think he's more of a utility six or a hooker impact player. Yeah. But Thomas Dearden, he apparently debuted. He's only 19-year-old, good junior young half on the weekend in Queensland Cup. Got me into the match, but he's 19 years old. Sean O'Sullivan, obviously the murmurs, like I said to you in the preseason, that was spoken that uh, Seabold wasn't a huge fan of him. So it's unlikely he's going to get that job. So as far as where they go from here forward, I don't know. And Hooker is another one. McCulloch's there long term. He's got a deal. They missed out on Cook. And even if they wanted to move on, it's a bit hard to move that contract, much like the Boyd contract, even if they wanted to. I wouldn't be moving McCulloch. they're deals that were signed prior to him getting there that are long-term deals. So at this point in time, this is something they're just going to have to work with him. Yeah. But, but again, go. the only way to fix it is to win. Look at Penrith. There's been nothing out of Penrith this week because they won. Yep. That silences everything. And a big yeah. game this week, obviously, for the Broncos. So that wraps up our set of six. Before we move into the game reviews, we have to give a big thank you to the Pro Sports Syndicate and the Penrith Solar Centre brought our two sponsors. Penrith Solar Centre, obviously, we've spoke about it before. I work in the industry. You've got a system. Old man's got a system. I've got one. Very, very helpful for the back pocket during summertime. Almost halved. Our bills. So it was very nice when it's a thousand eleven hundred dollars when you're running that ducted out the Western Sydney to be picking up five six hundred back in the skyrocket when you just run that bad boy all day. Yeah, absolutely. So, While the sun's up, oh, mate, there we go. Bills aren't going down. Privatisations happened. Uh, the prices are definitely going to stay up. So if you want to know what's worse than seeing your team cop the wooden spoon this season, it's getting slapped with a rising power bill that puts you more on edge than an Origin decider. Penrith Solar Centre are Western Sydney's leading solar specialists who are helping local families take control of their electricity bills. Let the sun work for you, your home and your back pocket. Contact Penrith Solar Centre today on 800 20 to discuss how you can become the real winner this season. www.penrithsolar.com.au And the Pro Sports Syndicate will have more promos and best bets back up this week. A couple of glitches to the website this week, but that's all been resolved. The package deal is still there. The $100 discount for our listeners will have that up this week. Instead of the $800 Dollars usual, you get it for seven hundred for the year. Over four hundred fifty bets, lines, game margins, prop bets, all kind of good stuff there. And their best bets, the first two they had, they were one and two. And some of those promos, Ned's was up a couple of weeks ago. You got a two hundred and fifty matched bonus bet deposit. That'll be back up this week. So yeah. well, there we go. They've sent through some uh, info on this week. They, the lines went two from two. So their total line bets are for three point six unit six units of profit. So if you've had a hundred on, you've got three hundred and sixty back from those in round four. So including all prop bets, profit for the round was nine. Uh, sorry, five point nine four units. So if you had a hundred on um, as one unit, you, you're getting back five point nine four. So not a bad collect. Uh, if you, you know, so if you're looking at signing up to the package, you would have just paid for your package in round four. If you yeah. got on and had a hundred, so 
Uh, this week they've got a f- special offer for the fifth and last fans. Um, sign up to the Total NRL and the coupon FNL100 NRL and receive 100 off the first month. So if you're going to do that, jump to uh, www.tpssyndicate.com, tips, packages, Total NRL. Just Google Total NRL. We'll have that up on the pages anyway. So, um, so that would be, uh, be good, yeah. like That's a good week for the boys. Yep. 5.94. We'll get that up. We've also had a couple of people about Solar from Melbourne hit me up, and I told them that I'm pretty sure Jake had a link down in Melbourne. So He does, yeah, yeah. So inboxes, um, did they inbox us? Or how did, no, how I've got two of them on Twitter. So, boys, okay. I'm going to find out from Jake. Uh, I'll try and chase him up tomorrow, and I'll get some details for you. Well, the other one is um, we're about to announce a date for our uh, big poker night at the Penrith Solar Centre. So we haven't quite worked out how we're going to – uh, get people along to that, whether it's just going to be we're going to randomly draw it, whether um, you know there's going to be some sort of competition in order to come along to that night. But there's going to be between 20 and 30 positions to come along, play some poker, have a couple of drinks, watch some footy um, as a bit of a charity night for the fifth and last NRL podcast, all uh, courtesy of the Penrith Solar Centre and Jake and the boys down there. So that's a promotion to stay tuned. We're going to have some more details on that in the, the coming weeks. But um, the other one is our fantasy comp. Have you been following our fantasy comp, our high-stakes fantasy comp? Um, you've had – I think you've had two wins, a draw and a loss. I've had three wins and a loss. You rolled me in round one. So me and you are one and two at the moment on the NRL CEO. So looking like we'll collect some cash. Uh, the other two boys better pick their act up. Um, but, uh, yeah, the fantasy going well as well, four rounds in. So it's about the only thing that I'm winning at the moment. Yep, and that's the new one this year, NRL CEO. If you're looking for a new platform to play your fantasy football on, on thebench.com.au, NRL CEO. Well, for example, the highest score so far is 83. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a lower it's scoring a lower version. Scoring. So a lot of people will go, oh, far out, that's low. And that was you in round one. You scored 83 when you beat me, so... Uh, most of the scores are around the 60-odd mark, 50 to 60. So, yeah, it's it's different. We're all enjoying it. There's plenty of banner in our uh, in our Facebook group, So, um, and there's high-stakes money on the line. Mm, that's what you want. Moving into our reviews of the games from the weekend, the first one doesn't need much review. It was the Roosters, 36-4 over the Broncos. No Rhea Hargraves, no Morris, no friend, no worries. It was a dead-set smash-up. People had questions as to how the halves would play together when they got back on the field. Uh, there was no signs of any rust. If anything, they looked better than what they did all last year. Mm. Kieran and Cronk combined. Cronk, a couple of tries assists in the first half before, obviously, that hamstring. And uh, obviously, he caught that dog shot from Pengai, which was late and just stupid, to be honest, and has now cost himself a couple of weeks. But uh, even once he went off, red hot still. Kiri, Tedesco has just really ramped up the last few weeks. Toki Aho leading that forward pack. Um, 2,000 metres to 1,200 54 tackle breaks to 13, and the missed tackles. Only 14 for the Roosters, 54 for the Broncos. Yeah, the 17 possession. errors, they were just horrible, and their, their forward pack got destroyed. Possession. They, they gave away shitloads of possession. Uh, and to be honest, the scoreline could have been a lot more than what it was. Yeah. Tedesco was fantastic. Tokiaho was fantastic. Kiri was fantastic. The Roosters overall were yeah. pretty solid. The whole pack. Brisbane were terrible. They gave away too much ball. That's not how you win games. Put a fork in him. They're yep. done. Pack got wrecked. Makes the spine ineffective. I know, again, people calling out some of those defensive reads from Darius Boyd, uh, whether, it, like you said, it's self-preservation or the change of know. culture. I, we don't know. Again, I don't know. I think something definitely needs Doesn't to change. Good, but. but Corey Oates, he had a bad night. Six errors. Azarko, four errors. He's been also a little bit off the boil to start this year, but something definitely... It's hard for those guys to get in the game, though. 
I when they're that. constantly coming out of yardage. But there's also just some simple fundamental stuff get there it. where you've got to hold the football. Yeah, like yeah, making it. one or two errors is one thing. Dropping six footballs or four footballs, yeah. you know. Yeah, agree. That's 10 between two players. That just can't happen from your back five. So it's getting to a point where it's not critical, but you need to start winning. And from their perspective, players in and out the first few rounds, their forward pack being hit and miss. They are young, yes, 100%, but they've got to be more consistent. And that's the key word, again, talking about those guys. The yeah. loss... This week of Tavita Pangai Jr. after that silly shot, uh, which definitely don't condone, is going to bring Payne Haas back in. But even again, the expectations of people talking about him come back in, he's still only played a handful of games and he's 20 years old. He's clearly a hell of a talent. But to you know bank on a 20-year-old who's played three games and off a shoulder reconstruction to come in and automatically turn around your forward pack is pretty insane, yeah, in all honesty. Pat Carrigan, another debutant as well. So plenty of young talent there, but all of that young talent playing together at one time the ebbs and flows and the ability to stay in the grind and understand NRL football and the need to be in an arm wrestle is a lesson they're learning the hard way. And they learned that They've the got Tigers way. Raiders the next two rounds there too that you'd, they'd like to get back on track and win those and get back to a 50-50 record. Yep. Uh, I'd like to see a bit of a reshuffle as far as the spine is concerned, try and spark things. I highly doubt that's happened. We'll see when we look at the lineups. The Roosters, uh, Cronk out this week. Lachlan Lamb on the weekend went back to New South Wales Cup, scored a hat-trick. So whether they bring him in, I think this week wouldn't be a bad opportunity to give him a run in the halves with Luke Keary rather than play him off the bench. What's wrong with Cronk? Whether they well, he did his hamstring again on the weekend, didn't he? Cronk. He went off at the fifty-second minute. Yeah, so, I, I thought he just went off for no. To rest I, th- I no. think the hamstring's gone again. So yeah. I, I like the fact that they've got the flexibility to play Orbison or Latrell there. But at some point, I think they're going to have to make a decision on Lamb or Lamb, Brock Lamb or Lachlan Lamb moving forward. So. I know there's plenty of time this year. There's origin football, but wouldn't you like to see Lachlan actually play a full game with Kiri? Because when they talk about, oh, we might be able to find a centre later on and play Kiri in the halves next year with Luttrell, except like I'd, I'd like to see a full NRL game of Lachlan Lamb play with Luke Kiri and mm. get some idea. We well, played against Manly, Lachlan, didn't he? What, for about 20 minutes and Kiri got concussed and went off the field and all the players off? Mm. I'd actually like to see him start and play a whole game. Who but... started that game then? Cronk was out that game, wasn't he? Or Luttrell. Yeah, okay. So that's yeah. what I'm getting at. They're, yeah. they're talking about that possibly being the way yeah. forward. If you've got a no, team... No, I forgot about Latrell going to six. That's my bad. Yeah, he goes back to cup and scores a hat-trick on the weekend. I'm not saying that entitles him to that, that shot, but rather than playing him off the bench and giving him little snippets, I'd like to actually see him play the game and have Latrell stay out in the centres and gives you Orbison on the bench and a bit more versatility in that sense. But, um, you know, that's up to Trent Robinson. He's a lot smarter man than I am, so not going to question him. Warriors-Titans. 26-10, uh, the Titans, they go down. They got their halves back, but unfortunately, very predictable. Uh, edge defense was horrible. Inside 20, that opportunities in the first 10 minutes, they couldn't convert it. The first opportunity, the Warriors got to roll up field and get a penalty on the back of it. Long pass by Blake Green. Anthony Don's tucked into his center's pocket. Both defenders have gone to one man. And they score a very easy try. Same thing happens later in the game on an edge there where they've gone down the right edge. There's no way there's any space for them to play around the Titans, but Peachy holds, Dale Copley holds, and Fussy Tua somehow still squeezes down the sideline. Like in that situation there, where there's no space and the numbers have got it covered, like just come in and make a decision, shut the play down. So there was two pretty poor edge decisions. The one that really summed it all up for me, plus the penalty goals to push them out, was when Roger Tua versus Sheck just went straight back through their ruck. Um, it was nice by Greeny as far as the width, and he brought the marker out a bit wider. But the effort by the second marker to plug in, or the markers just to move in general. Uh, it was it was twenty nil before you knew it. In the it was game poor. was over. The, the Titans had plenty of ball early. Again, they had plenty of ball against the Sharks early, and just failed to uh, take advantage of it. Mm. There's not a lot to say. There, there really isn't a lot to say. Um, 
they just lack execution offensively. They wanted to play to the corner post again. Their attack lacks imagination. Uh, that was just disappointing. I just they, they, they didn't build any pressure. They, they clearly didn't want to kick the ball dead, but too often they just handed the ball over pretty meekly to the Warriors early in the game. And the way to get the Warriors on tilt is to put them under scoreboard pressure early. They just weren't able to do that. The Warriors marched down the field and scored and all the pressure was off and the Titans then were you know, dealing with the Warriors side, which had defended very well to start with, then scored a try, and they're, just, they're very hard to stop. Like, they, they got back into it in the second half. I think at one point it was 16-10. Uh, but no, it was 20-10. 20-10. And, you know, they look like they might come back and, you know, they built a little bit of momentum. But well, you know, so even even Garth Brennan on 360 last night just, you know, he's saying a lot of, a lot of the right things, but I don't know. I just not, I'm not sold on the Titans at the moment. I don't think they'll win the spoon. I don't think they're the worst side in the well, comp. Squad-wise, there's no way they should win the spoon. No. But I, I look at their forward pack on the weekend, and again, we questioned that the first few weeks. Jared we Wallace again, effort, but just... I thought between Boyd, James, a lot of those guys, Jai Arrow is about the only one I looked at. And Arrow's playing fantastic. He's gone red hot. I know the halves, people gave an exemption because it was their first game back in from injury. And again, you can't do much without your forward pack, but they need to shake up real bad. Their forward pack needs to fire up. They need to lay a platform. The halves this week need to be better. The predictable block for a block and heading towards the sideline when they haven't earned the right to get a quick play of the ball in the middle. And the edge defense, like, just can't make a decision. If you're going to hold, you just get played through or you get played around. And the well, two, the right edge was rushing in. The left edge was holding. The so first two tries. No consistency. Were, yeah. And like, Don, like you've got the intent to come in, but you can't tuck him behind your centre. He was in his centre's pocket. If you're going to play inside shoulder, you go the next man. So, uh, yeah, there's some concern there. But, we'll but even to... on inside shoulder D on that edge, you should be off the end of that, waiting for the pass. Either mm. land on the pass or wait and, and use the grass behind him because it wasn't like they were on goal line D. They still had 30 or 40 metres yeah, out. Room There's no bend. way to be rushing in there. No. It's, that, it was room, just amateur hour. Yeah, they had room to bend their line and come across and cover and get inside help, but they didn't do so. But Warriors, again, they're Jekyll and Hyde at this point in time. You don't know you're going to get week to week, but Blake Green, outstanding, facilitated things the other night. The young debutant, Chanel Tavita-Harris. Kieran obviously showed some signs that he was a solid partner, but Tavita-Harris bringing a bit more of that Johnson, like X-Factor, a bit more dangerous, got some footwork, had a few nice touches in that game. And uh, again, any any half playing behind a big forward pack will look good. But their back five later platform, I think Lachlan Burr, since he's been there, has actually been pretty good as well. They got what they needed out of their pack. Uh, Taylor Harris had a good game, Hiku, Sheck, etc. But week to week, we don't know what we're going to get out of them. But the Titans, the only team now that's winless, their forward pack needs to step up. Halves have to be out of this week and... Peachy so far. I, I don't think you can question effort, but I think it's been frustrating transition. He had six misses on the weekend, a couple of errors. He's got 17, 18 misses the first four games. Um, yeah, I think he needs a bit of a confidence boost. So Yeah, they've just been poor. He, again, he's not getting a lot of quality ball. No, 68% completion rate, 14 errors to five. That's going to kill you any day of the week. But move on from that one. Panthers-Tigers, uh, what a crazy game this was. It, it felt like Penrith at the start had all the possession and they attacked the Tigers line and they couldn't really get anywhere with it. Mansour, near opportunity. They took the two, paid some respect to the Tigers in that regard. Uh, they go down the other end and it seemed like a glutter possession went the other way. Isar Masters misses a penalty goal from in front and then they couldn't really generate too much inside 20. Too many set-up plays, two side-to-side as well. Them and Penrith almost identical inside 20 with their struggles to attack, but... The difference in the end ended up being Josh Reynolds twice off the boot coming up with nice kicks off that inside shoulder in defense that we talk about where there's only two ways to beat it. You've got to execute through the hands to get around it or you've got to kick him behind. And twice he come up with very nice kicks. Yeah, uh, It also came out 
a day later, that, that Viliami Kikau effort where they called a knock-on and Penrith didn't blow off about it and Kikau didn't think he scored. Gary Manersley did his press conference yesterday. Kikau did score. Mm. So I, th- I thought that was very interesting. But looking back on it, it's hard to blow up because no Penrith player claimed a try and Kikau didn't even saw that he well, got it doesn't on the line matter, they, it, so anyway, so. they did get the result, but this one, again, I think Penrith have the worst completion rate for the first four weeks, haven't completed over 70%. Twice in the 50s, their impatience and their errors, especially coming out of yardage, are just absolutely killing them and putting them under pressure all the time. Too much defense, it makes it hard also on your forward pack then because you're tying them out, you're back five, whether they want to help out or not. They can't make those errors. Dylan Edwards, he had a Barry Crocker again, obviously led to the reshuffle of Dallin being pushing a fullback, and surely this week he has to be playing one. I don't know what's going on with Dylan Edwards, but he's really lacking confidence. Well, yeah. A lot of them look to be lacking confidence at the moment. Penrith were awful. They were they were awful. Um, I was surprised with what Magic McGuire said. He was really proud of them and their effort was good and yada, yada, yada. I, to me, that's a game the Tigers should have won every day of the week. Uh, you know, Reynolds' field goal goes off the stick. Uh, they missed those two conversions, as you said, but that's a game for the Tigers. They're going to rue that one at the end of the year because Penrith were more than there for the taking in that game. That's the worst game I've watched all year. We were at the game, and it was an absolute snooze fest. It was error to error, penalty to penalty. Yeah, any inside it was just 20, difficult to watch. No I mean, the really last five minutes it. was great, but, geez, outside of that, it was it was really, really hard to watch. So um, 27 errors altogether and 10 penalties. Mm. So you've got 37 stoppages in 60 minutes of game time. Yeah. So pretty much it was a stoppage every two out of every three minutes. It was a stoppage. So... Well, I can, yeah. sum, I can sum things up for Penrith very easily. If you're completing at 50 60% every week, you're taking gas out of your forwards by making them defend, then it's harder for your back five to keep bringing the ball back. Mm-hmm. So if they can cut those errors out at their set starts, give their forwards a better platform to work off and lower the errors and get near 75 80%, I'm sure they might see something better out of their halves. But at the moment, they're just pressuring themselves too early in the game and in sets that they're putting themselves in a deficit to be able to fight back. Well, they're two and two. They're, that flatters oh, the Considering Panthers. where they're... Again, if I told you after four weeks your team was going to complete 58, 57, 60, 65, like, you'd tell me you're going to lose every single game. Mm. You and honestly would. Yeah, and so. you've won two from two. You've had two halves have off-season surgery who haven't barely trained together or played together. You've lost a fair bit of depth. Viliami you kick out arguably your best forward or your best impact forward has been missing for the first few weeks. I thought he played quite well the other night. They're still working through some things. So yeah. I think they're not too We've bad We've said off, too much about this game because it was an absolute stinker. Yeah. I the think, next one was a goodie. Uh, Fisher-Harris is one I have to give her up to as well. I thought he was absolutely epic. Josh Reynolds, good return to first grade. Ryan Madison, I don't care what anyone says, super underrated footballer. Isan Masters, not bad either. Um, yeah, we'll move on from that one. Big game this Please. week for the Tigers and for the Panthers to see if they can keep building some momentum. Manly South, 13-12. This was a good game of football. Cracker game. This was a very good game of football. For Souths, uh, some changes late. Obviously, GI missing and then Braden Burns with that injury. That kind of hurt their edges in that regard, but they got big Georgie back. They were under the pump manly early on, but their goal line defence uh, under adversity, the efforts they made, they were absolutely outstanding in that regard all day. Uh, you cannot question that. The Marty Tapau try-saver on Cameron Murray. Later on in the game, there was another try-saver. Some of the cover efforts, the online defence, uh, the point where they conceded that first try, I think it was to Sam Burgess, where they just drifted across field and defended four sets. As a coach, you couldn't be any happier if you Des Hassel with what you saw on the weekend, and then to lose Tom Trebojevic first play of the second half, and to just keep digging deep, keep defending, keep just hanging in there, and then get that result. Um, 
where, from a manly perspective, I think that's huge and that's a real positive sign. Well, they made 20 errors as well. They made an absolute shitload of errors. Well, they, they just defended. Their goal line defense is the best I've seen this yeah. year. Simple as that. The tackle from Jake Jaborovic where he jacked the ball out yeah, uh, and Fainu scored. But the one for me was Martin Tapao's tackle on Cam Murray yeah, was probably doors. the best tackle I've seen all year. Easily the best tackle I've seen all year. Uh, that's as simple as, as it was. South, I thought, lacked execution. They lacked a killer, a real killer instinct. I think they there were signs of it against the Titans that they were... And the Dragons not, not game, they, they, yeah, they, they took... Didn't take the Titans, uh, I don't think... I think they took them a little bit lightly, but this was always a danger game. I, I think dry weather football and daytime football just makes for uh, good viewing, and it was a good game, but simple as that. South lacked execution in good ball. Manly's goal on defence was good. Cherry Evans' field goal was a cracker. Uh, just a good game to watch, entertaining game. I also think it's another case of goal kicking and field goals coming into play. Adam Reynolds, very good goal kicker. He had Jesus two penalty goals. Stunk, didn't he? Two penalty goals that he missed that end up affecting the result. They had a try. Well, it was two from five, 40%. I think the more critical one is where they didn't execute on that intercept that Corey Allen took and they shifted to the edge and they caught it forward pass where Jacob Gagan scored. They get the try taken off and better penalty from the offside. They come back for the penalty goal. Like in, in the scheme of the game, he I don't it, didn't he? That was early on, I get that. But that, that try right there and then the missed penalty goal really, really hurts. So yeah. from a manly perspective, I guess, just under adversity and absolutely death by a thousand cuts with 20 errors to yourself, to defend the way they did um, was exceptional. And to lose Tom, Tom was excellent in the first half. Jake was great. Adam Fanua, Blake and Martin Tapao, I don't think you could have a better one-two punch to break teams apart and to play off the back of when things are rolling. I think Manly's back fours caught some sh- uh, back fives caught some shit as well. I, I think they've been pretty solid. George Tafua had a rough week, but I still think going back a couple of years, when he's injury-free and playing good football, he's one of the better wingers in the club. I thought Parker was good. Yep, he yeah, was solid. Was solid so. Garrick's few games, he's getting better. Uh, Elliot, I know he's been to four or five clubs already, but Desi, we said at the start of the year, had some question marks, and has he changed? Could he get the most out of this group? I think clearly the attitude's a lot better. Uh, than what it was under De- uh, sorry Trent Barrett very early on. And, and they're buying into what he's selling. So mm. at the end of the day, um, great field goal by the million-dollar man, and that's what you get paid to do as a halfback. That's why he cops shit sometimes, Daly Cherubins, but he sealed the deal when they got the seven tackles set and they got the roll up field. So. Most field goals all-time in golden point, too. He's gone to five, one ahead of Jonathan Thurston. I think so. that was his 19th for his career, they said as well. Mm. So Can kick one. Kicked, uh, I'm not saying they're all game winners, but he's kicked 19. I'm sure a fair few of them would be go-ahead all game winners. So. Yeah. They got what they needed, but for Manly, losing Tom moving forward, I think that really, really hurts. He takes a lot of pressure off LG, best basically plays as an extra half, set starts, defensive organisation. That That's the critical thing, I guess, for them, but Jake was great. Tapio, Cherry Evans, Adam Fanua Blake. For South, I thought Cook was really good. I thought Cody Walker is always super dangerous, created a lot, but like you said, execution for them. Yeah. Errors, sealing things, but see who they get back this week. Obviously, English, like you said, Burns gone long-term. Um that's a bit of an issue because they had very, very good strike on their edges. They're going to have to probably be a little bit more polished in that regard now with some changes in the back line. Raiders Cowboys. The two early tries they conceded from just errors and slide defense and then that error where Java Bowen knocked it back and Rapana and Leilua got through and they scored. There was real worry early on. It was mm. 8-0. Then they give away a penalty. It's 10-0. They're looking exceptionally flat, very pre-line, very predictable. There's not really any spark to him until John Asiata comes on the field and starts to kind of get involved as a ball player and try and set things up there for Michael Morgan. But Canberra, they had a bit of a flat period as well. They kind of fight their way back. Morgan digs in the line, gets Gav Cooper over. 
Chance Nickel Clogstad then later on comes up with a great piece of play where he sees the defenders rush in, that long pass out to Rapana and the kick back inside for Leilua was a cracker. And at 18-6 or 16-6 at halftime, I thought they might run away with it. But second half, they got a sniff again, the Cowboys. Morgan cuts back on the inside, makes another good play inside 20. Asciato, who had a great game off the bench, gives them that chance at 18-12. But again, just errors. Well, it was 18-12 with 22 to go. Mm. Errors in execution, though. Like Clifford kicked one out. They made another error. Uh, anytime they seem to have got back in a cycle or had an opportunity, there was a critical error or a penalty or a missed tackle. 18 12 up to 10 to go. So they were well in it, mm. the Cowboys. They're, they look like a side that's trying too hard almost. Um, they And a lot of the points early, they gifted to Canberra. Like that, they jumped out to 10 0 or whatever it was. And that, that just seems to be where they're at at the moment. They're just. Gifting sides possession, gifting them points and getting themselves into a hole and not quite being able to come back out of it. So hard, but they're just got to keep plugging away. I think they're not far away, the Cowboys, but missing Barber and missing a quality one and missing a quality spine player has left a huge hole in their roster. I think the other thing, they still need more of their forward pack. They do. They really do. God, they, they lack polishing in good ball. If it's not Michael Morgan... Granville's not creating a lot. Clifford's not creating a lot. Martin did some poor things, I thought, in good ball. Mm. Some shit kicks and some poor options. The other thing it I've... looks to be all on Morgan or, as you said, Asiad or otherwise. I, I think the other real threat. issue that people don't understand from a coaching perspective, Paul Grant, I know you've got a lot of new outside backs and Felt's injured and you've got Nana McDonald. They're two that you settle on. But not having a set pair of centres or being able to trust your edges, I think defensively. Has been another issue for them on their edges. They've made changes every week. They've had Jarvid Bowen. They've had Opacek. They've had Ben Hampton. I think this week I saw there was a bit of a reshuffle. Centres are very critical to your defence and how that line works. Well, it's the hardest position on the field so yeah. If you're going to constantly change your outside backs and have new combinations and not be able to trust players, that's another vulnerability. Hmm. Um, I still think Granville, again, hasn't been the player that he was a couple of years ago, but that also comes down to that forward pack going forward. Uh, Hess, I thought he was a little bit better on the weekend. There were some better signs. Mitch Dunn off the bench. They used him as nine for a little bit to get Granville off. I thought that was a bit strange. I know he's a good footballer, but he looks more like a back row or a big body to me. But, yeah, Tamalolo not being there, the barber thing, and I'm sure now that they're ruining that Holmes is possibly not going to be available and they would have been really, really keen to pick him up. So Yeah, of course. Um, the sooner Felt's back, the better. The sooner they settle on a pair of centres, the better. And Tamalolo is the huge missing piece. Absolutely. And also... You're missing your best player. Just the halves. Like, from what I've seen out of Martin, Clifford, out of those two right now, I'd probably prefer Clifford to be a seven mm. and take more control of things and let Morgan play a little bit more second fiddle. If they have to start Asiata or get him more minutes and play him as a, as a 13 to get him out there and try and help, I don't know. But fullback, if Martin is someone that they're not going to persist with and he turns into the bench utility... I think Ben Hampton's the other one I thought would have got first crack possibly to play one. Mm. Good ball runner, good passing game, also another former half. That's a position they're going to struggle with, I think. But I, I didn't mind well, getting... Clearly, yeah. Like, yeah, I didn't mind them trying Martin there, but I thought Hampton possibly would have been the first person who got a crack. Felt had some games... Good thing is they've got options, year. but they've just got to find the right one. That's right. And Felt last year played a few games. I didn't think he looked too bad, but he's not available right now. So mm. Canberra good. Look, Canberra deserved their win. They took their chances. That... Uh, right edge with Leilua and Rapana was yeah. clinical. Chans was aggressive. Good again. Yeah, he's done well in the first four weeks. Kotrick was good. Tell you what, Sam Williams, why not being outstanding, has certainly complimented Josh Hodgson and the setup there a bit better. I think Aiden sees when he comes back from injury or not. I don't know if he'll get his spot back straight away. Well, not at the moment, he won't. They're so, winning. As long Absolutely. as they're winning. I think they've probably 
found some bench players, and that's one thing we were concerned about. I think Corey Herzberg does a good job. I think Papali and those guys playing in the pack, they get to pine back this week. Bateman has obviously been outstanding. There's some real positives for Canberra. The most important thing is their attitude in the final 20 of the games. Last year under adversity, they would have blown that game. Mm. Instead, they closed it out. They're winning them this year. They found that way. They yep. got a late try there with Croker off an error where they ran one in. And, then and they at got the moment, what are, what are they? They've lost one game, Canberra? Yeah, to the Storm. And they started poorly. Adjusted late and didn't look too bad. So yeah, edge defense has been better overall. Close attitude. game last week against Newcastle. They pumped the Titans. Mm. Um, and then close game this week for the majority. But yeah, those two six-point games... You know, not six point at full time, but they were six point games in the balance. They've come through with the goods. So, yeah. good previous sign. seasons, they've coughed those games up. Well, good match this weekend, and I wouldn't have expected to be saying this would be one of the better games of the round. They'll be playing the Eels this week. So. Yeah, it will be a good game. Interesting game. But speaking of the Eels, 24 12 over the Sharks. Uh, I honestly thought Cronulla were pretty gallant in this one, considering they came into the game with no Gallon, uh, no Moylan. They lost Johnson before kickoff, Woods fairly early. It's a pretty big ask, and I don't think people are really giving credit for the amount of turnover or young blood they've got in that side. Wade Graham's still not there. Kate Wells starting consistently for the first time. Nicora's been great. Both the hookers are still young, especially Blake, the younger of the two brothers. I think Katoa's been good in yardage. Bronson Cherry on debut, 160 metres, no missed tackles, and was, wasn't super, you know, didn't have any breakout moments, but was certainly more than up to standard to be an NRL player. Um, but late in the game, it just wore on them in Parramatta. I think that's one of the better games I've seen them play. That's the best game I've seen Mitchell Moses play. And just the turnaround and attitude, uh, I'm, I'm stoked. They, they almost completed it 90%. Their forward pack is dynamic. They've got players now this year rather than last year that have leg speed and impact. Junior Polo, the passing game, didn't know existed. They're able to deploy guys on the middle and in the edge and play with some width and create deception. Mitchell Moses went clean through a couple of times. He had that run-first mentality. He wasn't erratic. I had questions a couple of years ago. Could he control a side? He did that very, very well. And Jamin Salmon, who was a former Shark, just played second fiddle perfectly. It was like an old school seven and six combination. Clint Gutherson, how they haven't got that sorted out yet, I'll have no idea. Culture, character, the fitness, being one of the better people around the club, like all that. And you named him captain. If that's not enough for you to want to keep him there, let alone the on-field performances and the consistency, I don't know what is. Um, but and then I think there's other guys as well. Like this is probably my only question. It is a contract year, so there's guys like Michael Jennings and a few other dudes who are playing really, really well right now. Who didn't play well last year. I don't know whether it was just a combination of things last year. Uh, you know, was it coming expectations off the back of? Well, a they big lost year? their first six games. But, Simple as that. Yeah, Your confidence just goes out the door. I, I hope this is just not for a lot of these guys again. New stadium, new year, couple of changes, couple of new players, contract year. It's one of those things sometimes where I think. You see guys kind of have a few down years, and then when it comes to crunch time, they step up. Mm. But right now, I think Brad Arthur is doing himself no harm. It's obviously getting himself a should new contract. Get a anyway, like who else are they going to bring in? I thought it was ridiculous to talk of sacking him after mm. what he did during the salary cap, got him into the top four, I think it was, uh, the year before last. So, look, for me, it, it is a little bit of a surprise because of how poorly they went last year. Did I expect them to climb the ladder? Yes, I did. Do I, did I expect them to push for the eight? Mm. No, no. At the moment, it's four rounds in. Um, okay, they're, they're three and one. I, I don't know. It's a bit early to go off. Uh, I want to see them do it. You know, you get to origin in this sort of position and then you can sort of, you know, we're going to know. And possibly unaffected in their position, yeah, which more, makes it really more strong. where they're going to be able to go and uh, change your expectations of where they should finish. But I think the new stadium is going to be, oh, it's going to be enormous. Huge. So Easter Monday there, 
Parramatta and the Tigers will be fantastic. But look, there's a few players there who, at the end of last year, should have retired. Tim Manor is playing the best football I reckon I've ever seen him play, and I'm his biggest critic. I said two or three years ago he should have hung the boots up because he was playing with no energy, uh, with no enthusiasm, with no leg speed, with no power. Uh, he looks at the moment to be just like he's got a new lease on life. I don't know whether they've changed up their training. He looks a little bit thinner. He's obviously got the bench roll, which is good. Penny Terrapo was fantastic. They're, they're getting some spark out of nine. Uh, they're getting some spark, even with, as you said, Salmon came in. No. I thought Mitchell Moses, that is the best game I've Easily. seen him play in the NRL. He was fantastic. Kicked well, played smart, ran well, pushed the side around. He looks like he's grown up significantly over the off-season. Uh, and look, Cronulla, Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It was good to see Sherry get his uh, debut. He's one that we highlighted in our season preview that we thought would, you know, do a good job if he if he got a, uh, a got a run in first grade. Didn't expect it to be this early, but uh, I think there's big things ahead for him. Cronulla will lose absolutely no heart, no support out of that. Um, they're a tough side. They know what they are. Cronulla, they'll bounce back. Uh, I think they've got the Roosters this week, so it doesn't get any easier for them. Yeah, I think particularly the... with their injuries, but uh, they've got good depth. Cronulla and they're tough. I think yeah, that's the harder thing for them. If they have these injuries and get a couple more and lose some games and yeah. then maybe have a couple in origin that they might need to make some, you know, make up some ground later on. But I hope that isn't the case. I just think they're better than like that that's a game where Parramatta, you know, you sort of go, Yeah, okay, they won, but I think that'll be better than some sides even yeah. even with injuries. Like they're not gonna I don't think they're gonna be better than the Roosters or Melbourne or some of those no. teams. And Parramatta have got plenty of momentum at the moment. But I think what's um, they play I think they play the Roosters, they run into Penrith. Who aren't playing well at the moment? Like that, they beat Penrith even with a weakened side at the moment. Then they play Brisbane, who, are, who aren't run, playing real yeah, well yeah. either. So I think the big thing for them is they're also going through. Storm. They're going through an, a bit of an adoption of a new style of play and a new mix of players. They've mm. had some old blood go out. They've got some new blood going. I think they're doing a pretty good transition at this point in time. Yeah, I agree. I, um, the I, main I don't thing, look at them and think they're going poorly at all. No, I think Gallon's possibly back this week. Sean Definitely Johnson back, back this week. week. So they're a couple of positives. They're just going to need to get a bit more out of say a Bakuya. Now that Woods is out, uh, Jack Williams, those kind of guys are going to have to step up and play some extra minutes. And uh, They're good young players, so good result. And I think the other two that we forgot to mention, the set start, like we said last year, was huge. Sevo, Ferguson between them, 240 metres for Ferguson. Played very, very well. Sevo, 194. Yeah, well, they got two extra front rowers. Yeah, and they didn't have that so, last year. So. No, they didn't. On to the Dogs and the Storm game. And also, sorry to butt oh. in, but Gutherson's fit. Yeah. Had a significant time amount of time out last year. And look at the impact he has when he's on the field. Yeah, excellent performance by them. Um, and, yeah, like we said, the Sharks got to keep their head up, get some troops back on the field, but gallant effort to push to probably the 60, 65th minute. Storm Dogs, uh, again, probably everyone's easy, easy tip last week, but for the Storm, wasn't great. But I'm not going to take it anyway from the Bulldogs. I thought they were excellent. They, they played were. Melbourne the right way. They didn't play into the middle. They didn't play one out. They didn't get involved in the wrestling, let get slowed down. They moved the point of attack. They were nice and wide off the ruck. Left, right, didn't let the middles get involved. Targeted the halves. They had six misses between them, the Storm halves. And in particular, they got Curtis Scott to bite in twice on that right edge. 
uh, where they found love with two tries. Ockenbore on his kick returns. Remy Smith again. We're talking about that new age winger who set starts, makes an impact. Ockenbore went through clean two or three times, and Cameron Smith is the bloke he found a couple of times to bulldoze the poor old bugger. But uh, those two are outstanding. I thought Cogger in his first stint with Lewis, they controlled things quite well considering, uh, you know, they'd lost Foran, who was looking the goods the week before. Lost Napa early on again. They, they held tough. They stuck into the game. Josh Jackson, to me, looks so much better when he plays in the middle of the field. I, I think that's the way forward for them because they've got a couple of better edge players there in Corey Harry, we who still needs to work on his defence, but he offloaded five, six times in this game. Kerrit Holland on his edge of the field offloaded six times, so... They did a lot of things that Melbourne don't like. They broke Melbourne down a little bit. They offloaded. They made them make second efforts. I kind of looked at this one at the end and that penalty try, like, again, I'm a Melbourne fan. I'm not biased at all. I thought that was pretty harsh. Uh, I know the guys in the commentary team, a lot of people said, well, to the letter of the law, that is a penalty try. But, yeah, bloody hell, if you're Emma Smith, what else do you do? I, yeah, I thought it was a harsh call. Um, harsh call. I get it. Uh, yeah, I thought, I, it was, I thought it was a harsh call. I thought it was a bit harsh. The, the one I didn't get was the one before that where they called the obstruction where Adam Elliott was basically not moving and then kind of put his hands on a guy that sh- probably shouldn't have been in the line, but I didn't think he made an effort at all. And when no, the yeah. crashed over. So that one I thought was a try, and then I thought the other one was a bit harsh. But Will Chambers, he shepherded the ball. He blocked him off completely. Remus had to make the play. Did he make it maybe a fraction early? I don't know. But that, to me, that was harsh. I thought, I'm not going to say the Bulldogs deserve to win, but my God, I thought they, honestly, I thought they played better than Melbourne. I really, they did. I really do. They did. So, Absolutely. They just they lack class to convert um, pressure into points. And a lot of people blowing up today that Reese Martin's kick wasn't on the spot of where it was supposed to be. It's been happening forever. Like I thought, as far as I, when I was a goal kicker and you were one too, you could move it wider out or further back. No, you get supposed to be on the line. Well, you can move backwards, can't you? You can move it back. You yeah. can move it back to halfway. But no offense. But it needs to be on the, the line. way he kicked that ball and the pressure he was under. I don't think moving it. You know, the meter back in or I get that. It was. I, I get that. But the so, argument is, to the letter of the law, it's not should have been on the happen. spot. I get yeah, that. So. That's all. I, I don't think... If, I don't think if I'm a Bulldogs fan, I, I may feel a little bit hard done by. And again, I'm a Melbourne fan, but I'm not going to have any bias towards it. I thought the Bulldogs were better. And they were very unlucky not to come over the win. But the misses in the end and the pressure they built was kind of all undone off two plays that were critical. Smith throws a long ball and all those players are turned in. Kamika Mika crashes over way too easily. But the miss on Munster off the scrum where all those players just released before the ball had even left his hands, that was just poor. Mm. That was a horrible miss. He went through untouched. So some real positive signs and some good fight and, and what we come to expect at the back end of last year. And I hope we continue to see that effort from a lot of these young Bulldogs players, uh, especially for Coach Dean Pay. So real good effort. Ockenborg, Jackson, Elliot, Tolman, the young heart. There was a lot of good efforts for Melbourne. Um, I thought Bromwich and Solomona had decent games. Hughes was good again at the back, and Munster obviously finished things off. But the misses between him and Croft, six apiece. Cameron Smith missed seven tackles. So there's definitely we some work. We missed three or four on Ockenball, So Yeah, definitely some work to do there for Melbourne, and very lucky to come away with that win, I think. And the last one we've got here, Dragons. Newcastle, another golden point game, 13-12. Uh, a fair bit of an armour saw. I think this was a pretty ugly game. Neither really looked like they are able to seal it. St. George, uh, too many errors in good ball. Anytime they got down there, played two or three, it seemed like they panicked um, or threw some silly passes or just weren't patient. The heads-up play when Frizzell came on the field to rip that football out, that was a great play. But other than that, they, they kind of struggled in attack. Again, you'd expect some rust. They've done the whole preseason with Widop at the back, Hunt, Norman in the halves, McInnes there, bringing Dufty back, brings a new dynamic, a bit of a change. The week before, Norman moved to fullback and Widop to six. So now that they've got their spine, they need to stick with that. That's obviously going to get better. 
the forward pack pushed on. Uh, Vaughan was absolutely exceptional. James Graham, I have no idea how he was allowed to stay on the field. I saw him get two head knocks. Uh, that was pretty ridiculous to me how he wasn't brought off for a HIA at least once. He may have been, I may have missed it, but I saw him get two head knocks and not go off, I think. Mm. I thought that was crazy. Host, Laurie, a lot of these younger guys have done a pretty good job, but now cruel blow to them again to lose Corbin Sims after they just got a rotation back, and they're still waiting to find out, obviously, what's going on with DeBella. Um, yeah, r- rough game, rough game. On the Newcastle side of things, they just lack polish. I, I don't really think they know what they're doing. Like Pierce seems to be carrying all the burden. I think Clemens carrying the burden in the forward pack. A few of those guys have already gone a bit flat, in my opinion. I don't know if they're getting enough out of nine. Like Levi, God bless him, made 53 tackles on the weekend, but his attack out of nine, his deception... Lino for his first game of the halves. He was so-so. Ponga clearly was much better at fullback. Set up both their tries. Looked dangerous on kick returns. But I, I don't know. They're still lacking in their, their spine. We know who the seven is. We know who the one is. Lino's a solid player. Man, they brought in there to play as a nine. He's not really playing well, they're short minutes. They're, 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 they're short one. They're short one. That's why Ponga was there to try and alleviate it. But it didn't work. If, if so. they're going to play Lino or Watson's not going to be the one, I'd play Watson as the six like he was last year. I thought that combination between him and Pierce wasn't looking too bad. No, I agree. But as far as the nine situation is, is man going to play nine for you or is he not? Uh, so you've got to make that decision. Between I, don't him and Levi. A, I don't think man's a nine. I think but man's a one. I also I go again. The forward pack besides Clamour, I thought was they've got too many players again who they don't they don't have a solid position. No. So I think they've got some questions, more questions at the moment than answers. And last year they were you know looking pretty decent at the start of the year with that spine. So I'd be going back to Watson and Pierce's half pairing with mm. Ponger at the back. Uh, that's no knock on Leno, but. I'd be going back to that. And the rest of that forward pack needs to help about David Clemmer. Between David Clemmer and Paul Vaughan, if that's not the Blues front row right now, the way they're playing, I have no idea. Mm. Um, they were both absolutely exceptional. This is a game, again, that I felt deserved to be a draw. But Corey Norman, um, if he hasn't endeared himself to the Dragons fans the last two weeks, I have no idea how he will with those two field goals. That was yeah, an yeah. epic field goal. But, yeah. yeah, Sims being out, that hurts. Uh, we'll see how they go this he week. Played bloody half an hour with a snapped arm. Yeah, crazy. Um Looking like a decent addition before he got hurt there. But Frizzell, back from his injury, I thought he was great. And Vaughan, uh, Norman to ice that game. McInnes, thought he was great as well. On the Newcastle side of things, Ponga, Clemmer. But there's a lot to be desired there, I think, in that forward pack and just a couple other positions. I think Jesse Ramian struggled a little bit, not getting as good a ball or quality ball as he did at the Sharks early on. And then the question's in the spine. They need to settle on that and they need more of their forward pack. So, yeah. That wraps up uh, the reviews of the games from the weekend. Jump into some fan questions, Boxer. What do you reckon? Starting off with uh, what we've got on Twitter here, Luke Saunders. Hey, lads, you've got to talk about Val Holmes and his chances. Well, we've already gone through that one and uh, where we'd like to see him if he returns in the NRL. Well, I don't think it's a question. Uh, the information that came to hand is that his partner is already back in North Queensland, so I have no doubt that if he does come back in a later stage, Brock, that's where he's going to be landing. I think it's a chance. He's there now. He's in a squad, so he's as good a chance as any. Yeah. But uh, as far as a move back to the NRL, yeah, I, I don't see Cowboys. There's nowhere else. Yeah, no brainer. Doghouse O'Reilly is John Bateman easily the best signing of the season and who is stealing a living more out of Kevin Proctor and Darius Boyd? Boyd's stealing more than Proctor at the moment. Yeah, I, think I think he's not getting a lot of footy, yeah. but I think there's some others in the competition that are going worse than them. But yeah, Bateman's gone well in the first month, but it's only the first month. So let's see how the season plays out. Been super busy. There's no doubt about that. David White. I think says, David Clemmer for me, because of the signing year so far. But yeah, everyone's got their own perspective on it. Yep, he's been very good. David White. All right, boys. What was one of the best uh, one-off performances you've ever seen? Mine was Peter Sterling the day at Para beat the Dragons. The day they opened Paramount Stadium round one, nineteen eighty-six. 
one of the great kicking and directing his team around the park. Joey Johns, that Origin game, I think it was 05, game two, ANZ Stadium was unbelievable. Some of the Darren Lockyer games as well that he's uh, engineered, late comebacks, late field goals. Um, Freddie Fittler had some some good ones as well. I could go off games I've watched, but if you want to say games I've seen in person similar to this, I think the best game I've seen in person was the one you took me to, I think I think it was one of Thurston's Dallium years when the Cowboys played at Penrith and they were down about 18 or 16 and in the second half, Jonathan Thurston just Engineered went on an yeah. absolute tirade and set up like three tries. Like In person, that's probably the best individual performance I've seen. He just shredded them in the second half. Yeah. But... Uh, other than that, similar to what you said, there's a lot of those players I've seen on TV or games, but in person, bar none, uh, probably that Thurston game at Penrith. He was absolutely outstanding. I'm trying to think about what year it would have been. Matty Bowen was still there, I'm pretty sure, so it might have been the early uh, part or of 2010s, 11, somewhere around there. The Buckster, if you had to choose any current club centre wing combination in NRL uh, for your NRL team, who would you sign? It must be a centre winger combo at the same club playing on the same side of the field. Oof. That is a difficult one. I'd like to have Katoni Staggs and Jermaine Asako. As a pairing? Yeah. At the Titans, if he said I could have those two for the next 10 years, I'd gladly sign that contract. Uh, the other one would be Rapana and Leilua, but I don't like Leilua particularly. I think, I think he's got a bit of shit in him, but as a player, yeah. As a pairing, they're outstanding. Yeah, On his best good. day, I think I was going to say similar to you. I think that would be one of them uh, that I'd probably definitely agree with you. Uh, Curtis I, Scott and Vunny, I'd, yeah, I'd take them as a pairing on age and ability. I think Vunivalu has either either side for the Roosters. I'd take either side for. Well, I was going to say if you give me Latrell and Manu with whatever winger, whether it be Inglis and Gagai on best form, like on one side of the field, stop it. Or if Burns is on, like, there's a couple there, but I think mm. the most steady one right now and established one that's been there for a long time would be that. In the future, I tell you what, it could end up being Bronson Cherry and Sione Katoa. Mm. Uh, if you get a look into the future right there. But, yeah, there's a couple of good center wing pairings in the competition. That's no doubt about that. Mike Meehall Wood says, predictably UK-focused question from my end, but how many of the Poms in the NRL would make state of origin? For me, Sam Burgess, George Burgess, Whitehead and Hodgson, all in with a shout plus Bateman in a few years if he keeps it up. I'd say Sam and Josh Hodgson. Other than that, yeah, none of them I don't think George would be up near the standard. Whitehead's a good solid player, a utility player, but when, again, you put up a Wade Graham and a couple other guys, you could possibly play that utility role. Uh, yeah, Hodgson, if he was a New South Welshman or a Queenslander at this point, if he was a Queenslander at this point, I definitely think he'd get picked. Yeah. Mike, I think we need to chat Leeds Rhinos too soon, mate. There you go. Mike? They're going horrendous. Give Boxhead a call. Get him on. They're going to get relegated. Dan the Sportress, when the Raiders attack in their left defence, seems to be able to rush them outside in, and Whiten often has to run the ball because passing options are removed. What can be done to counter that rush? Early ball to centre winger, inside ball from six to one or second row, better timing. All of those, but those edge players need to time their run better. And the other way to do it is if, if they're rushing in, kick over the top of them. Throw a longer pass, play earlier, mm. turn the ball inside. As you said, Dan, you've got to mix it up. You've hit, you know, Give them a different head. look. Exactly that. If they're going to play up and in defence, you've got to adjust your depth. You run first as well if they're going to come on the inside or you start dropping players under to try and get the outsides to hold so you can play there. But hmm. it's a chess match for an inside uh, shoulder defence or teams that like to jam in, that's for sure. Steve-O says, are the rumours true on Tim Sheen's joining Cronulla? Hopefully not as a K. Well, uh, yeah. we, we, don't, we don't know. 
I think from a Cronulla perspective, it would be yeah, it's a good signing. Yeah. I think he'd be good for John Morris. You've got someone who's an absolute wealth of knowledge who has a coaching tree that extends to some of the better coaches in the game right now and has had great success everywhere he's been. But uh, there was talk also in that situation, would Morris feel threatened? I don't think Tim Sheens at this point in time would have any interest in coming back here and coaching. Hmm. I think he's past that point, but he would be an outstanding acquisition, I think, in all levels for junior development to help John Morris, etc. As far as where that's going, mate, it's too early to tell. But if they are speaking to him, um, I certainly think he'd be one that I would like at the club if I'm the Cronulla Sharks. Resurrection of Frizz's Nuts says, Form, can you explain it or is it just mental? Take Fergie Ferg. Always had potential until the last two years where he has converted that potential. You must have been have seen some gifted athletes, but the switch that turns around the form. Might seem cliche, but hard work. Applying themselves and working hard. That's what separates those at the elite level mentally I think also clearly, just life life balance and being comfortable with where you're at not being focused. a dickhead off the field you can't be a dickhead off the field six days and then play well on, on yeah. a Saturday or a Sunday so when hard he, work when he had his issues and was focused outside of football or you're worried about money and reps and I should be getting this and that and when he was partying with Dugues and fucking around and clearly his football suffered from it but now that he's got a clear ahead and he's been to a club like the Roosters where it was football focused and do your job and train hard and all these things and now he's carried that on for power for the time being when your focus is on football and that is your whole and sole point of focus and doing your job well it's pretty easy forget talent forget ability all players do their best when they've got a clear head and their focus is on rugby league um, and clear at this point in time he's in that state of mind and he's playing some great football Hamish Jackson the Broncos obsession with the halves pairing that obviously doesn't work they lack an organiser. Even a low-priced option like Trent Hodkinson or Sam Williams would seem a better option to work with a player like Milford. Cody is too similar. Agree, but Seabolt's had this combination. He's inherited this combination. He's had it for four weeks. So give it some time. And in that time, they haven't held the ball. They've made a shitload of errors. They've given away a stack of penalties. They've had no possession, no field position. So I'm not pushing the panic button. And I've got no doubt that Seabolt will wield the axe. If they don't improve soon, he'll wield the axe. It's not his halves pairing. No, and I think the other thing, I spoke about this the off-season, they've got a good group of young sevens coming through and there's not probably a seven on the market they would blow money on right now. So whether people like it or not, they're probably just going to have to persist this year with the options they've got and hope that if they are that desperate that next year Tom Dearden or Tanner Boyd, one of the other young blokes, is ready to go and they can promote one of them to seven if they're not happy with the combination they've got because clearly... O'Sullivan's not someone they're looking to and again the halves market right now there's probably no one they're really looking to throw money at mm. so they want to probably promote internally just have to wait and see what happens Michael John Late says when is a woman referee going to control an NRL game well I think is it Belinda Sleeman got upgraded this year I think as the first full time female referee as to when they appoint her or if she's a pocket ref or in control of the game I'm not too sure champ we don't make those decisions so. well do you want equity or do you want equality yeah Equality to me is how it should be done. When a woman earns the right and is good enough, I, I think that's the only way to approach this. I'm all for women referees. Once one of them earns the right um, to referee an NRL game, they'll get that chance. I don't think we should be approaching it as an equitable um, situation where we give them more opportunities or you know, more avenues than what we do the male referees. I think it should be based on performance and based on what you've done in the junior grades. And for me, you've got um, Casey Badger and, yeah, Belinda Sleeman, who aren't far away. So I would imagine that they're going to be – well, they're knocking on the door now, so it's not going to be too far away. But I'm just all for it being equality. Men, women, it shouldn't matter. The best referees are out on the field. 
Yep, don't disagree. And like I said, I'm pretty sure she's been upgraded now. I'm not sure about Casey Badger. So her time will come when they feel it is the right time. Someone has a poor performance. Yeah. She has consistent form. I get, think they get judged exactly the same as players do. So I think they've been a lot better this year. I love the press conference from Graham Mansley to sit there and watch that and the decisions weekly and the accountability and them just copping that on the chin. Mm-hmm. I think it's awesome. It's a really, really good thing. Uh, jumping in to the next one we've got here on Twitter. Steve says, why don't the refs march players 10 metres or send them to the sim when they were spoken to so badly? Burgess and Smith should have been punished, uh, punished further for their comments on field. That's up to a player. Oh, sorry, referee's discretion. I have no problem if uh, they're spoken to poorly or abused or whatnot uh, in the case of being sent to the sin bin. I think if it's the captain speaking to the referee, they'll get a bit more lenience. But as far as other players coming in or player abuse and what they feel is appropriate or not appropriate or what they're willing to cop, I guess that's up to the referee. That's right. It's their discretion. But they don't have to cop it. No, no doubt about it. Sam Taylor, if Parrot inevitably fall away through the middle of the season, where do you see Gutherson ending up? Could command a decent price tag elsewhere if Parrot don't come to the party. Absolutely. Agree. I I don't think he wants to leave. I think it'll all hinge on what Brad Arthur does and just making sure that the deal is sufficient at the moment. I think they're lowballing him a little bit. Yeah, I don't really like the way they're going about it. I think there's plenty of clubs that could use a fullback and there's a few that are already potentially in the market. There was murmurs that I heard that your mob were quite interested with Michael Gordon uh, being done at the end of the year, but with Brimson, does he move to the halves if that's the case? So I think he's more of a one. Who knows? Manly have apparently sounded him back out to be heading there. There's a... I think Manly would be the only other place he'd go. If that's the case, though, is he a six or a one? What do you do with Tom and him? That basically, I think, means that someone's going to be playing 5-8 more so than playing fullback. So yeah. that's the other thing. If, oh. I'm, if I'm paying for Clint Gustin, I want him as a one. Yeah. I don't want him as a six. Mm. But he's got the versatility to play one. Six center wing, so there's no doubt there'll be clubs interested, that's for sure. Jay Fleming, thoughts on Fittler coming out and saying Cleary and Maloney were not a good halves pairing. Do you agree? What does this mean for Origin? He said not a great halves pairing, and I agree. They they aren't a great halves pairing. They were good enough to win an Origin series, but they haven't been good enough to win a competition. I, Fittler sort of just challenged them, I think, a little bit and said, go from good to great. And I, think, I think it was a bit of a jab, but yeah, I think he said last really, year. Really, I, I think we're all too sensitive. I, I I think what he said was spot on. I, I didn't think... I haven't watched Cleary and, and Maloney and what, thought, oh, shit, they've really dominated that game. How many times have you said that at the end of the game? Cleary and Maloney really dominated. I, mean, one of I think them. they've both dominated individually when the other's been out, but think, as a pairing, I think that's I think the issue, fair though. comment. You've got two head honchos that don't really work to one another but at the same time they're dictated to by a forward pack but as a pairing do they complement each other probably not because they both want to be the dominant player um, for origin purposes on form right now they've got plenty of players fighting there for position so mm. Cody Walker's playing well Reynolds is doing a pretty solid job you've obviously got Luke Keery who's playing out of his skin eligible to play for New South Wales um, there's going to be plenty of position pressure there in the halves that's for sure Cam Irving says, all things Cowboys. How do the Cowboys seriously have space in the cap for Holmes? Well, well they let go of Thurston and let go of Barber. Yeah, and that clearly freed and up And TPAs. Enough. And even this year, if they got him, it probably wouldn't be for the tag they'd sign him for moving forward next year. But yeah, they did lose some players there, no doubt about it. Now Holmes is committed to the NFL. Who are they likely to sign? Well, I don't think they'll sign anyone. I think we go with what we said before. This year, who would you sign? There is no one really available. Uh, I think they'll just hold out in hope that he probably... Ends up on the practice squad and there's the possibility to bring him back next season. And number three, how long do you honestly think it will be till Green is sacked? Cowboys about to be one and four after Storm tower them up this weekend. Mm, he's going to be under pressure, no doubt about it. Uh, I think he'll get. Yeah, you know, I think he'll get the season, 
but he's going to be under some serious pressure if they finish down the bottom of the table again. I think it'd be more questions towards next year. Last year, he's one of the hottest properties, and he was being talked about that he'd got them to a grand final even after all the injuries. I think he'll get leeway, and Tom Olo missing a decent chunk now, as well as having Barber uh, get fired before the season started. But coming into next year, if you know players and recruitment didn't work out and had another poor season, I think he'd be in real big trouble. Mm. But time will only tell in that regard. Nathan Pinitz, what's wrong with the Titans? On paper, we have a great roster, but can't seem to string together wins. I'm not buying the poor excuse that last week was due to our hearts playing together for the first time. Seems like the boys lack effort and aren't willing to play for the coach. Keep up the good work. Love the show. Well, that's been a criticism I've heard around the traps, that they're not playing for Brennan and that Mal Meninga's going to be coming in and those sort of rumours. I don't know how much to make of that. We're not close to anyone at the Titans, but as a fan, I'd agree, mate. Their, um, their effort's been poor. Their enthusiasm is poor. Their execution is poor. Uh, when you look at their roster, they should be playing better. Simple as that. So uh, it's it's a frustrating, frustrating situation at the moment to have uh, them at zero and four. That's a huge underachievement. And I think if they're bottom four this year, Garth Brennan will be looking for a job. Yep. Not disagreeing with you there. I have to wait and see what happens. But the, the pressure and the screws must be turning right now on Garth Brennan, that is for sure. Ryan Miller, when will they scrap seven tackles for a knock-on in goal? Hate seeing a guy almost score only to be a double punished. I want it gone in all. Yeah, there's a lot of cases where we don't agree with the seven tackles. I hate it. That's for sure. Jordan Palmer, why does everyone hate Paul Kent? I think he's a top bloke and probably the best journalist we have. We both got a great respect for PK. He's been on the show, so I think honesty, mate. In this PC world, people don't like to hear how it is. Is he a little harsh at times? Like we said at the GI comments, we're not disagreeing with it, but maybe. You know, some comments, but I think people... Oh, just... no, that wasn't a shot at him. No, no, that was more... Was a he's one of, one of one many, many few that have given G.I. a bit of a... But I, I think that's the big bar. thing. People but G.I. Like actually singled Paul Kent out. Yeah. Um, but... I think a lot of people, though, that's don't That's because like... he's higher profile than other journalists. Yeah, people don't like to hear the truth, and he delivers the no, truth more often than yeah. not. So that's the one thing. That's the big reason we do like Paul Kent very, very much. He's uh, very credible. And, uh, yeah, great journalist. Brett Sims, why not play more doubleheaders at better grounds like Bank West, better for supporters and better for team? Absolutely agree. Yep, well, you're not, we've done this one plenty of times before. We're not going to agree. Matty Hunt, here he is. Boys, this week I'm able to come up with a passenger of the week, so I'm leaving it to you, fellas. Bear in mind it must be someone from a winning side. All righty. On a side note, have you ever seen a bigger case of second-year syndrome than Jermaine Osaka? Uh, I've seen bigger, but Tim I think he's more um, a victim to... His team at the yeah. moment. Tim, Tim Smith had a pretty poor second year. Uh, passenger of the week. Got to be from a winning side. From a winning side. I'd say Suliasi Vunavalu was a bit of a passenger oh. of the week. He was pretty poor. He went a bit nuts with that leg twist. Wasn't uh, That was shit, yeah. Uh, I think Cameron Smith. How many tackles seven, did he miss? Seven missed tackles. He let Ockenbore through clean a Get that into you, Smitty. I'll give him passenger of the week. Yeah. That'll be the, probably the first and only time I'll be able to give I'll him give that. I'll give you that one because we've won all four games. So that's all right. Yeah, I'd be picking Titans every week, but yeah. they lose. So. I'll cop that one. Jai Laidler, a bit early for Origin talk, but is Fergie a shoe in for Origin since Tommy Turbo and presumably Jay Roberts won't be in the side or will they stick to the whole we want to pick players who represent a good culture bullshit? For me, I'd have Ramian and Fergie in to cover those incumbents. No, I'd have Ferguson. Yeah, I think, I again, I don't... It's form. You've got to pick on form. I don't disagree with the past, though, and what they said. And I, I didn't agree the other day when he did speak. Like, I haven't won an Origin Series. It more seemed, again, more of a selfish thing that I want to win an Origin Series because I've done everything else now. Yeah. So, um, again, he, he has had a fair few indiscretions for the past. Kotrick was a contender last year. He was in the squad. I don't think he's been playing as well. Well, if you're looking for a prototype year, to replace um, Tom Trebojevic, then it's Campbell Graham. 
Campbell Graham's very similar build, very similar height, very similar play. Like, I'm not comparing the two in terms of saying that Campbell Graham is as good as Tommy T, but no. he's playing well on the end of that back line. Well, yeah. New South Wales have got options. Yeah, there's going to be options, but I think he'll definitely be considered, especially now there's some injuries. And Ramian, I think, should have been considered 100% because he's a right centre. I think Curtis Scott didn't have a great game of the weekend, but I was taught last year they were interested in Curtis Scott. So yeah. I think right centre is a position that's up for debate, no doubt, and James Roberts is 100% under pressure there. Billy Barge, can you explain why some teams get so many more home games than others? Now, I know that each team gets the same amount of home games. However, look at a team like the Broncos, Knights and Cowboys. They are the only teams that don't take any games to a secondary home ground. Teams like Dragons, Manly, Tigers split games up all over the place, taking games to three grounds. Now, the Knights don't even lose a home game to Magic Round, not to mention the Broncos don't have the home game in their Magic Round. So they get another home game. Knights, 12 home games at one stadium. Dragons, all those three grounds. Mudgy seems fair. Well, that's the choice of the club. That's their choice, Because they're a joint yeah. venture, so you can't blame the Brisbane Broncos for not... That's not having... the Broncos. That's the NRL wanting to play more games at Suncorp. Well, there's only Simple. one team in Brisbane, so they need to be playing at Brisbane. The Magic Round thing, you can't hold against them. I'm pretty sure Melbourne take a game as a doubleheader to uh, we usually Brisbane take well. one to Brisbane. I think but... Manly do as well. Yeah, Manly go to the coast because they've got a deal there for some more money, so they go away from Brookvale for that reason, so... The motivation behind that, Billy, is clubs that are joint ventures that have more fan bases and more mouths to feed and getting kickbacks. And some of those teams that go country or go elsewhere do that also for agreements. Like Melbourne does take a game. They take a game to South Australia. I think the Roosters and them have got an agreement there and that side of things. And yeah. Well, I haven't used gone by, yeah. It's mainly teams, like you're saying, the ones you're highlighting are joint venture sides that have got more mouths to feed and different grounds they're covering. Yeah. So that's part of the reason. Campbell's... Uh, Scott says, considering your love of Colonel Sanders, do you blokes enjoy seeing 98% of tries going to the bunker? No, I hate, hate it going to the no. bunker when it's not needed. You know, I love the Colonel. Not looking at the Colonel because it makes me hungry. I love the Colonel when I'm in drive through and getting a feed. That's Super. when I love the Colonel. I know I'm severely hungover. Also, thoughts on somehow sorting out teams losing two competition points for a one-point golden point loss. Scrap golden point, field goal shootout, props only. Coaches have a fight. I've been, said it before. This yeah. is, if you got three points... Yeah, but three for a normal win, two for a golden point win, and one for a golden point loss. There you go, easy fixed. Either that, or like I said, play the full ten minutes and field goals. Otherwise, the just have a fucking draw. Yep, all that. That's the way to do it. Andrew Wales, a few injuries. Para did well, but very close versus a depleted Sharks team. Yeah, well, injuries something that are creeping in. Para are doing. Andrew very went well. to the game. I'm pretty sure as well. So yeah, would have he enjoyed sent it. A message to try and meet up. Unfortunately, we uh, didn't. We didn't go. Had a Bucks party, so couldn't make it. Champion, but maybe another time. Russell Hart up. Do you guys know a good kicking coach asking for a team slash Isan Masters? I can I can slot him. Daryl Harrigan he does most of the kickers around the competition, doesn't he? It's not hard. Goal kicking is not hard. Practice. Well, if he's doing his practice, practice during the week, practice, it should be practice. better. But the one he sprayed you don't need a goal kicking coach in front of the posts. That that was the one that really really hurt. There's no doubt about that. Shazil Sheikh says Darius Boyd looking very uninterested in playing. Didn't get involved in tackle. Uh, with Crichton's try and was flapping his arms at the ref while Tedesco was still running past him. Your thoughts? And have you come across this during coaching and how did you turn it around? A spray, a one-on-one spray. I don't think you ever put players like that on show in front of the team. I don't think that's a good thing. If I've had a discussion with a player and then I needed to highlight something on video in front of the team, I will. But usually the conversation happens one-on-one first. That's, yeah, that's the key to any sort of effective communication. You need to make sure you're willing to have the the positive conversations, but you've also got to have those negative conversations as well. Yeah, I come across it a few times, but we kids that we coach sort of from, you know, my experience from 15 to 20, 
they're pretty inconsistent in their performances anyway. So you're having to have those conversations constantly. Um, yeah, but the Boyd Boyd one is a concern. Yeah, Zach Prevera has brought up here about the Titans attack and again addressing how the block play to the winger nine times out of ten doesn't work. Well, that works, mate. Because it doesn't work because most of the time they don't get a quick ball, play the ball inside. When you get a quick play of the ball, or you get someone caught in at marker. That tightens in the first three defenders in the ruck. Once they're tightening, the outside guys have to hide, or hold, or creep in a little bit as well to compensate, and then you can get to your edges. The problem is they're not generating any ruck speed. They're playing off a set line to try and shift out there, and then they're just passing themselves to the sideline and having to come back in field or forcing it, uh, like they did a few times in the weekend, particularly that tap on for Michael Gordon and Anthony Don, who was standing on the paint, or Copley, I think it was, and there were three players in front of you have nowhere to go. If you want to shift to the edges, you need to create damage in the middle to get numbers in or somebody caught so you can create an overlap or play over the advantage line and dig into a line. But at the moment, they're doing none of those things and their attack looks absolutely dreadful. Alrighty, rolling on to the next question we have, and that is Shane Attard. Says, thoughts on the doggies turnaround of form? What's been the catalyst? And would either of you be caught having an affair with Tui Kamikamika's wife for a month of free KFC? <clears throat> I think that's an absolute death wish. Keep me away from that one. Not messing with Tui or his partner. And the dogs turn around. Well, I guess a couple of guys might have been a bit complacent those first few weeks. They made uh, a couple of changes. They've got two big bodies on the wings now. I think Ockenborg and Remus Smith compared to having Crichton in there makes a difference to your set starts. Hapawade moving to centre. More natural position for him than Montoya, who's a winger. Meany going to fullback. Young up-and-comer. So there's a couple of changes that immediately have helped out the back five and the set starts. Um Losing foreign didn't help, but Cogger looked pretty comfortable with Lewis last week. I think the Ford pack uh, the first few weeks defensively was just poor. They've fixed up that. They've been much better the last couple of weeks. And when your Ford pack goes forward and holds your middle, it makes it a lot easier as a pair of halves, a hooker, and a back five. Yeah, as outlined. So, yeah. That's, uh, that's where I'd go with that one. Luke Smith, have we gone backwards in terms of the 10-meter rule compared to this time last year when the penalty crackdown was happening? And do you think teams standing offside contributed to the ugly games in the weekend? I thought the 10 metres were skinny at best, especially in the Manly South game. I don't look at it too closely, to be fair. Well, I had a bloke at work say to me, and he's a neutral. He wasn't happy with the 10 and thought they were pretty short 10s. But I definitely think teams are pushing it a little bit now, considering Mm -hmm. the rules are there. But people can't finger point. I've already seen people going, again, the Roosters, the Storm, etc. These guys are taking it. Everyone's trying to push the envelope and take advantage every single week. But it's up to the referees and their discretion to penalise teams if they feel that they are breaking the rules. So if they don't want to blow the whistle, that's up to them. But, uh, you know, we'll have to wait and see how that all pans out. But so far, they're trying to let the games flow. I think most of the games have been pretty good. It's a fine line, yeah, definitely. But, yeah, it could go one way or the other. But the thing is, if it does turn into an absolute bloodbath of penalties, everyone's going to blow up. So It's a fine line. Yeah, they're trying to find that happy medium. Max McAloran, what's your opinion on how players getting needles to play games? In my opinion, how is that not performance enhancing? Because if you have to have that needle to play, you shouldn't be playing, obviously. Well, I wouldn't say it's performance enhancing. It's more masking the pain. A lot of guys have already got an issue. Say if you get a needle in a shoulder, you've already got mobility issues or atrophy of the muscles. So you may be operating at only, say, 70 80% of your full capability. Basically, it's just a pain blocker. But if anything, it's... Not good. It's not performance enhancing, but it's definitely not good for the welfare of the player. No. It's more damage, it's more longer term issues, and it's a short term fix or masking effect to you know keep players on the field and playing. When it comes to finals, origin, other things like that, uh, some blokes have damaged shoulders or other bits and pieces that are already beyond repair or ready for surgery and no more damage can be done. If they can get needle for that purpose just to get through more pain free, well, then I, I know players will do it and clubs will do it. 
But if it's anything where there could be a long-lasting effect or more damage done, they shouldn't be playing. I agree with you 100%. Yeah, clubs. Unless it's a huge game, I think clubs always are on the side of caution. Yeah, as they should. Uh, and, I mean, the players are often the ones that want to play more than what the clubs want to let them play. So I think there's that duty of care and that fine line. You know, if it's not a not desperation stakes or it's not a do-or-die match, then most clubs are just are on the side of caution and leave players out. I think at the times as well, and you've just hit the nail on the head, players need to be safe from themselves a lot of the time. Because if they can get needle or can get around things, they will yeah. to play. Because that's all they know, and a lot of them, that's what they love doing. So they, they're willing to take these risks to be able to play in games, whether it's a normal club game, big games. But generally, the players are the ones that need to be safe from themselves. Yeah, absolutely. So, Switch City Committee says, why do teams rush to kick a field goal and goal point? Wouldn't it be far more effective to slow the play of the ball right down for two reasons? Allows the kicker time to become well positioned and prepared to receive the ball, and B, mitigates the defending team having offside players to rush up. If they did have an offside player rushing up, it would be far more apparent from a slow play of the ball instead of a rush run because those rush moments, no penalty, ever seems to blow uh, ref blow a penalty. Thoughts? Well, the whole point of the quick play of the ball is if you have a quick play of the ball and the markers are not square or the line's not retreated, you're less likely to have four or five bodies coming at you from both sides of the ruck and markers. You might only have a marker. The slow play of the ball and players jumping offside, I think the referee would still not blow their whistle unless it was absolutely blatant someone running offside. So generally, once you get a quick play of the ball or you're in the right spot, you have to kind of take your opportunity. So you've got that time and space to be able to step into your kick. Mm. So I can see where you're coming from, but yeah, referees basically throw their whistle away every time it gets to that point in the game, unfortunately. Yeah, it's a frustrating element for me. Yeah. Luke Sullivan, this season has been highlighted the need and the importance of big, strong wingers more than ever to start sets and be kick targets. Ockenbohr, Remus Smith, Rapana Kotrick, Sevo Ferguson, Alec Campbell-Graham, etc. Well, I think it's been apparent for a long time now, mate, but as far as uh, the teams that are doing well, like a turnaround, for example, and you want to highlight that example, Dogs Week 1 had Remus and Crichton. I think it's highlighted the fact of set starts and also just targets in your kicking game or inside yardage. But the trend of big wingers or big outside backs has been something that's now been in the game for a while. But yeah. 100%. The, the winger is now super important to set starts. And Parramatta, wooden spooners to the situation. They're in now 400-plus metres from two players in the weekend and they're two wingers. It makes a huge difference. Dylan Bowie has Greg Inglis. We've basically gone through that one, champion. Andrew Barry says, incumbency versus form for origin selections. Well, I think you've got to help, have a, a healthy dose. Yeah, mix of both. Um, if a player's you know in good form and he was an incumbent, basically, I think if you win, you get. It's your almost spot like back. if two players are equal, the incumbent gets the nod, really, isn't it? Like, well, if they've done the job for you and you've got combinations and you've built a relationship, you want to keep things as close to yeah. as possible if they're playing good football. Yeah. So, like looking at Origin this year, I, I think right now for the for the majority, uh, I'd have at least thirteen of those players back without a problem mm-hmm. from what I've seen so far. The three or four that might be changes, one or two maybe force, but. The other couple of guys that are just in irresistible form and they wouldn't look out of place. So, um, yeah, that, that's kind of my opinion. But, yeah, there's got to be a balance. There's no doubt about it. Brennan Savage says, with Penner struggling, do you think that the Edwards-Dallin move will work or would you prefer to see Aikens in there? Well, we spoke about this ourselves the other night, Boxhead. We feel that all three of them have the same problem. None of them are natural ball-playing fullbacks. Aiken last year, 300 metres on debut. He's working on a pass or probably ball plays a little bit more than both, but... To Dallin, it's not very natural. He's more of a crash and bash, push to the middle support play. He's he's working on that pass as well. And Dylan Edwards, it's something he's definitely got to work on because he threw a shocker well, on the weekend in a couple. But so. 
as far as where they are in their development, Aitkins is still very, very young and has room to improve. But right now, they're all run-first fullbacks. So uh, it's not something you can really push in. And none of them have a background as a junior 5'8", either. So none of them naturally have ball played previously. Yeah, it's true. Which is another layer to most fullbacks now, like a Matt Moylan. The reason he looks so much better now back at fullback is because he's naturally played in the halves, but he's more effective sweeping in from the back because he can pick his moments. He can come on short sides. He can create extra numbers. So, yeah. Last one here, Blake Dixon says, I want to know why the Gold Coast will cost me my full-round multi on the weekend. Knowing my luck, they'll come out and beat Penrith this week, though. Well... A lot just of, steer clear of it, son. A lot of multis have burnt the last few weeks. Everyone was on the Tigers the week before. That went down. I'm sure a lot of people threw Souths in probably this weekend, even though Manly were a good shot at home. There's always somebody when it comes to a multi. Steer clear. Less teams is the one, I think. No more than three if you're going to do a multi. Two. I'm, I'm big on the two. Well, there you go. No more than the two if you box head. That wraps up all our fan questions, mate. So we'll jump in now to our gossip and our tips of the week and our best bets, which aren't going too well still. That uh, as far as the gossip front is concerned, there's only two carrots this week from Mr. Gossip, and that is Merrin, possibly going back to the St. George of the Warrior Dragons. I can't believe this would even be possible. They're talking about it being for a DeBellin uh, replacement. As far as I was concerned, they weren't looking at doing anything about Jack DeBellin's situation until they'd gone to court. Well, that's soon, isn't it? I think it's still two weeks away, but whether they're putting something in place or got the wheels in motion, if I'm Leeds and I just signed you for four years... I'd be filthy. Whether you're happy there or not or you're not playing well, I'd be dirty ass because you've signed him as your marquee player on a huge coin and he's already trying <laughs> to jump off the ship. I would be a filthy. If I'm the Dragons and you hear what you heard at Penrith that near the end he wasn't really mixing with the group and he was a bit off football and he was getting paid that big money, I'd be laying down some ground rules for him to come back. Mm. And the other thing is, what are the terms? How long do you sign him for? How much do you pay him? I wouldn't give him any more than next year. And this year, and again, the money wouldn't be anywhere near what he was on when he was here, which is rumored to be around seven, eight hundred thousand, and similar now in England. It'd be half of that, and maybe not even that. Yeah, agree. Yeah, well, he just—if he wants to come back, he needs to and the other come thing, back knowing, you know, I guess the contract and yeah. the cut and the haircut he's going to have to take in I, order to do that. I think the bigger part is apparently, again, like I said, there's only murmurs, but apparently he was pretty big for his boots out this way, and he was a rep player, and he's, he's going into a Ford pack that he can't own. He's going in with Frizzell, Sims, Vaughan, Graham. There's a lot of big personalities there. If he's going to go to the Dragons, I want to know that he's going in to buy in and do his job and join the rotation. He doesn't get to walk into that club because he used to be a part of it. And what he's done in the past, he was moved out of a Penrith because he didn't live up to his contract. Come back, earn your stripes, buy into the group. And if I was the club, I'd be vetting a lot of things before I even considered bringing him back into the group. Yeah, uh, I haven't watched a lot of the Super League, but the first few games I watched, he wasn't playing too well and he got sinned in one game because, again, he looked like he... That, when you see people yelling at refs, yelling at touch judges, they're, they're robbed every play of the ball. They can't get a quick play of the ball. It's everyone else's fault but their own. Um, yeah, I wasn't a big fan of what he was doing over in England at this point in time. So. No, me either. I'd love to see him come back and rip in if that opportunity arises. But, yeah, it'd be under the, my terms if I was the Dragons and what terms they're happy with. Yeah. Second one he's got here, one I mentioned earlier, Des Hasler, apparently very confident of getting Clint Gufson back to Manly. Obviously, I think family, friends, and everything was from Manly originally. He moved with Brad Arthur. Uh, Brad Arthur to the Eels after he had that injury, and Manly kind of threw him out uh, in the cold after that ACL. He loves Brad Arthur, but we don't know what's going on there. But back to Manly, my only question is, Box said, if he was to go there, fullback. People have talked before that Tom plays as an extra kind of half, but again, playing from the back and creating that extra number and helping you six out as compared to being in the front line and being parked on an edge, would Tom be as effective, or would Gutherson be as effective? 
And if I'm to play, yeah, he, he could play six if, if, if Cherry Evans got to step up and um, take the reins, I guess, as as the controlling seven, which isn't his natural game either. It could work with Jaboyevich at one and Gutherson at six, but would you go out and pay him huge money to be a six when he hasn't really well, proven himself there? This was the question I was about to say. We're talking about the contract now and fullback money. If I'm bringing him over to play six, I've seen him play a little bit of six, but I'm not going to pay him top money. No. So I don't agree with the Eels offering 400000 for him to play fullback because to me, you know, bottom dollar for a good first-grade fullback, let alone one as consistent as him with a good skill set, good passing game, the push and the energy it provides... I think the minimum they'd probably get him for would be 700 if I'm going to be completely honest. We're yeah. talking about spine players. I wouldn't consider Clint Gutherson a marquee player to the tune of 900 or $1 million, uh, like somewhere around that mark. But as far as the market for good fullbacks, if we're talking around the six 700 market, 400 is not even close to starting a conversation if I'm Clint Gutherson. Hard argument. Uh, but going to play 5-8 at Manly or if he's going to play fullback, my offer would highly depend on what role I've got in mind for him. I get everyone saying he's versatile, and I agree. Wing, center, six, fullback, but I'm not paying big money for versatility or plugging you in a spot. So that'll get you a good contract. But if I'm bringing you over to be a rep standard player on big coin, I want you to be playing your position. So uh, for Manly, I don't know quite how they figure that one to work out and if they'd shuffle Tommy in there. But again, if he's on close to a million dollars and he moves into six, that's a big risk as well. Mm. So uh, interesting to see what happens there. But clearly a favorite son or someone they're interested to get back. Uh, two more questions, actually, that I completely forgot about. Now, I've waited a week because these are in the inbox. Jai Laidlow had one the other week saying, "Would you, you've been sentenced to six months in prison. You can either cop that on the chin or you can give one NRL player a chance to solve a Rubik's Cube and get you ASAP. If you could do that, who would it be? I've thought about this. After the way I've heard Cooper Cronk speak for a long time, I'm sure he could solve a Rubik's Cube. Um, I'd give it to Cooper Cronk. I'd give it to James Graham. James Graham, mate. Is that because the research that he's doing on the head knocks prop yeah, and he feels very confident himself? And he's himself? competitive as shit. Yeah, you reckon he'd sort it out? Yeah. I reckon he'd like peel the nump, the stickers off and put the colours on one side or do whatever he had to do to get the job done. Mm. I'd go the cronk man. And the second one was Jason Skenerton who asked us when we talked about the Cowboys the other week, week one, uh, basically when we're talking about some of the players they had on their side and possibly possibly top 10 players in the competition, I think he meant in regards to Morgan and Tamalola. I think Morgan on best form is definitely a top 10 player right now. Not the case. Tamalolo definitely the top 10 players in the game. But he was more saying, who do you feel is in the top 10 players in the game right now? I'd have to say, like, just a few names that spring straight into my mind after what's happened in the last 12 months would be Damian Cook. Smith, Tedesco. Cameron Smith, Cook. Tedesco. Kiri, from what I've seen more recently. Uh, if you go on those kind of players. Tamalolo. Roger Tuovasashek. Yeah. Uh, there's about five or six that instantly pop in my head. To finish the turn off, we could argue all day till we're blue in the face, but they're, they're some of the names that pop immediately into my head if you're going to ask me the question right now. Mm. So there you go. Yeah, yeah it's an, an interesting one. It's, it's also very, very it's subjective. Very, yeah, yeah. Different to everyone's opinions, but there you go. There's a couple of the ones we we're thinking about, mate. And sorry about the delay on that one, gents. But as far as gossip, thanks for that one, champion. There's these two little bits for this week. And now our tips and best bets brought to you by the Pro Sports Syndicate. Keep your eyes open, as we said earlier, for those promotions. Hopefully have a sign-up this week and some best bets. They had a good week last week. Good profit return, and we'll have that sign-up link and the code on the page, FNL100, for you guys if you're interested in the package to jump on board, get that $100 discount. And if you do not get a profit return this year, next year, you get the package for free. Brock, best bet, going horrible. Not a good start. No, nah, but we'll, we'll recover. 
depending on who you bet with, we looked this up and had this discussion on Sunday. Do I win Dragons one to twelve? Most agencies would have paid me from what I looked up and Googled. Yeah. So I've given myself that one. I'm three for mate. Uh, oh, you've given yourself that one. I have because I looked on three websites and they all would have paid me out. Jeez. So I've gone that way. Well, I think I'm zero for mate. You are zero for mate, unfortunately. That's okay. So I'm good. We need to find more winners. We need we need a double up week. That's what we need. I've got a good multi this week. We need a good double up. So we'll see how we go this week. In the tipping stakes, uh, not a good week either. You got three. I got five. Gossip got six. So he's now taking the lead. Yeah. I'm not like a busted. 19 for Gossip. 18. We were all equal last week, weren't we? We were. Yeah. And then it scattered a bit this week. So Gossip's on 19 and leading. 18 for myself and 16 for you. Let's get into these games from the weekend. And who have we got first? Well, didn't uh, you? You both had the Knights last week, I think, and I had sorry, no, I had the I Knights. The you both had the Dragons, and I tipped the Raiders. And yeah. I think there was in some other game, maybe. Oh, the Cowboys, yeah. There was a couple there. To kick us off this week on Thursday night, it is the Broncos versus the Tigers for the Broncos. James Roberts and Payne Haas are named among the reserves, so there's a possibility of James Roberts coming back into the side this week. For now, Stags is in the lineup. Uh, David Fafita moves into the forward pack for the suspended Pungai Junior. Pat Carrigan. Selected to make his debut. Very good young uh, Australian 20s and Queensland player. Good front row, a bit like Flegler. Uh, good footwork. He's a workhorse. For the Tigers, Mike McGuire's made two changes to his starting side. Russell Packer moves to start with Madalino back to the bench while Alloa comes into the starting 13 with Elijah Taylor, who goes to the reserves. And Thomas McKayley is back into the side. I think... This game, if anything, to me, and I know uh, people may or may not agree, is more personal than probably the Cleary thing last week for Maguire. This is the bloke who took his job at South. I know he's moved on since, but uh, rightly or wrongly, or the situation <laughs> arising, with it, it was less than 24 hours before Seabold got his job. So I don't know if these guys are on talking terms or what, but I'm sure Madge. sure it's fine. Maybe shadow boxing in there, telling the boys that he wants to beat Brisbane this week. I don't think it's going to matter. I think the Broncos will lap them. Wow, that's rough. I don't think they'll lap them. I think they after what I saw last week, I wasn't game. impressed. But at home, one and three, I have to go with the Broncos, not with a whole lot of confidence. They're the first leg in my multi. They just win. All right, well, there you go. Mr. Gossip agrees with you. He's also on board with that. With the Pro Sports Syndicate, the odds there are the Broncos at $1.45, 270 for the Tigers, minus six and a half the line. One to 12 Broncos, $294 the Tigers, 13 plus Broncos, $265, $7 for the Tigers, and now we move on to the Gold Coast Titans against the Penrith Panthers. For the Titans, there's only one change. Max King comes on the bench with Moiaku Fotuaka suspended, and for Penrith, there's the switch happening. Dallin is at fullback now with Dylan Edwards on the wing. Terrell Fuimano is the new face on the bench. Kikau moves back into the starting side with Frank Winterstein out injured. Uh, this is up at the Gold Coast. Last chance, Titans. I going to say, I can't tip you on my but I'm going to stick with Penrith. Hopefully, yeah, Penrith a bit of confidence well. after last week. But, God, flip a coin again. Yeah, this they've both another. been playing terrible. It's a very, very hard game to tip when, like you said, two teams are playing quite poorly. And I'd love to say they get a home ground advantage, but no one barely turns up. So it's not much of a home ground advantage, yeah. unfortunately. So, Mr. Gossip, he's sticking <laughs> with his beloved Panthers. Nail the favourites with the Pro Sports Syndicate, $1.60, 228 for the Titans, minus four the line. 1 to 12, Penrith 285, 350 for the Titans. 13 plus Penrith 315, 625 for the Titans. Second Friday night game, it is the Cowboys up at home against the Melbourne Storm. As far as the Cowboys are concerned, they haven't had a lot of changes despite a tough start to the season. Java Bowen is out of the side. He's replaced by Ben Hampton, who goes from centre to the wing, and Anari Tuala comes in, the young 
20-year-old for his first game of the season. So, like I said earlier, another change in the centres. That's another mix-up in combinations <laughs> defensively. Um, yeah, big ask, but the only change for Melbourne. Suspension of Suli Vunavalu means that Marion Seve goes from centre to wing. Uh, and then, obviously, Will Chambers moves back to centres this week. And Josh Adokar is back after personal reasons missing last week. So, that's the only change for Melbourne. Pappenhausen holds his bench spot. I'm going to back the Storm. I thought they were poor last week, but I haven't seen enough yet from the Cowboys to convince me that they're going to win. Storm, they're the second leg of my multi. Hard to see where it's coming from, but hopefully they're better for this week, better uh, fluency between the halves and some more stability in their back five, which has been an issue so far. Mr. Gossip agrees, so a clean sweep on the Storm. And with the Pro Sports Syndicate, $1.38 favourites, the Cowboys, two ninety five minus seven and a half the line. 1 to 12 Storm 290, 4.50 the Cowboys, 13 plus the Storm 250, $7 for the Cowboys. South versus the Warriors. Interesting game, this one for me. And this is on the Sunshine Coast Stadium. Uh, as far as the Rabbitohs are concerned, drinking this obviously we know is out. Kyle Turner has been now named in the centres. And I thought the other week Brian Kelly did a bit of a job on him. Not because he's not a good defender, but just that mobility side. Liam Knight is back from suspension. So he comes onto the bench. George Burgess named a start again with Tatola back to the bench. And Jacob Gagan is going through the HIA protocol. So he may come in late, maybe for Turner. But right now, it seems like he'll be out. For the Warriors, Sam Lasone is back from suspension. He comes onto the bench for Liggy Sow, uh, who is out of the side. And the only other changes, Adam Blair moves in to start with Isaiah Papali going back to the bench. And Isaac Luke is in the extended reserve. So a possibility of coming back in. I can't trust the Warriors week to week as far as I can throw them. So I'm going to go with South Sydney. But South, third leg of my multi. That's my first bet. 275 you get for that. So who'd you have? Yeah. I had the Broncos, Storm, and South. <clears throat> Just get on, ladies and gentlemen. At I'm none for eight, but my confidence will not waver. At 275. 275. Well, my first one. And it's That's just, bank interest. It's just coming to my head. If Billy Kikau is starting against your. What edge is it? Your right edge defensively, and he's running on the left. He's the left, yeah. Try win combo. Viliami kick out on the Panthers. They won't be prices up this early in the week, but I dare say he'll be four bucks. About it? four bucks. So I'm going kick out, try win combo for Penrith as my first bet. Uh, in this regard, though, back to what we're doing, it's a clean sweep. All of us are on South, as is Gossip, and with the Pro Sports Syndicate. South, a dollar thirty-five favorite. The Warriors, three ten, eight and a half the line. One to twelve South, three dollars four seventy five. The Warriors thirteen plus South, two twenty five eight dollars for the Warriors. Knights Manly, uh, I think a big game in the season of the Newcastle Knights. It's their fourth home game in five weeks mm. against a side that played very well last week. But no Tom Trevojevic. We need to see something. I have to tip Newcastle for that reason. Um, and as far as their lineup is concerned, James Gavay comes back this week. Glasby's back to lock. Barnett back to the bench, and Josh King is out. Seagulls, Tom is set to miss six to nine weeks. So Brennan Elliott's back to fullback and Moses Suley only one week after being disciplined back into the team. <laughs> they were great last week. Uh, I think they'll be good again this week, but it's more new, It's more on Newcastle. It's time to respond. It has to happen now. Knights. Fourth home game. I, I have to go Newcastle. Knights of the Newcastle. Gossip, he's on board, and hopefully for Papa Gossip, they can put in a good effort this week as well. Uh, so a clean sweep again on Newcastle, but a... I think this is one for the punters out there with the Pro Sports Syndicate. If you like Manly, two thirty-five. If you're confident, but the Knights, a dollar fifty-seven favorite, minus four and a half the line. Knights, one to twelve, two eighty-five, three seventy. Manly, thirteen plus for the Knights is three dollars six twenty-five for Manly. 
Shucks. I'm having another. That'll be the first leg of a second multi. Who's that? Knights Roosters will be my second multi. Just head to head, two dollars thirty. Get on. Knights and Roosters at two thirty. So you're going the head to heads this week, racking them up. Come on, Cletus. Roosters is the next game, as you just mentioned, and you're going to chuck that in there. Uh, Saturday, 7.35 against the Sharks at Points Bet Stadium. They've got a big sponsorship. Yeah. Had some luck the last few weeks. As far as they're concerned, this week, Sean Johnson is back. Paul Gallen is back. And Kyle Flanagan, who came in for Johnson, is back in the reserves. Jason Bakuya reverts back to his bench role to fill the hole left by Aaron Woods. And looking at their extended squad... I think they've got Will Kennedy in there at number 19. I think there's a possibility that if Josh Dugan has some issues during the week, he might get a debut, possibly. But Bronson Cherry, he holds his spot on the Rooster side of things. A big boost. Jad Rhea Hargrave, Hargraves is back this week. Jad Red. Zane Setavano back to the bench. Nat Butcher out. Uh, I think with a couple of guys under an injury cloud, possibly playing busted, I'll stick with the Roosters. Chooks. And Mr. Gossip is on the same... Bandwagon here, but I think the Sharks have kind of had the wood on them most of the time of the regular season. I think they beat them in all games last year, but previously it was a bit of a bogey side for the Roosters. Mm. But with the Pro Sports Syndicate, the Roosters, a dollar forty-seven favorite, two sixty for the Sharks, minus six is the line. One to twelve Roosters, two ninety, three ninety Sharks, thirteen plus Roosters, two seventy-five, six seventy-five for the Sharks. Dragons versus the Dogs. Uh, as far as changes in this one, the Dragons Frisell will start again. Pushing Jacob Host back to the bench, and Luchi Arno Leilua is the new man on the bench to replace Corbin Sims, who has a broken arm. For the Dogs, Offahiki Ogden gets to start in place of Dylan Napa, who's going to be out for an extended period, and the only other change is Suaso Su is back on the bench. Uh, I think the Dogs have shown plenty the last few weeks, but I think it's critical for the Dragons to keep winning, and especially with these injuries and to keep pushing through adversity. I don't think it'll be easy, and it wouldn't surprise me if the Bulldogs gave them trouble, but I'm going to go with the Dragons. Dragons. So, Mr. Gossip, he agrees, and it's a clean sweep again. And with the Pro Sports Syndicate, the Dragons, $1.46. The Bulldogs, $2.65, minus six the line. One to 12 Dragons, $2.90. $3.90 for the Dogs, 13 plus $2.75 for the Dragons, $6.75 for the Bulldogs. And the last game of the round, 6 o'clock Sunday, it is the Raiders versus the Eels. Probably one of the games of the round, if not close to the game of the round, considering some of the injuries and in form of other teams' box. Would you agree? Yeah. I think this is a pretty good game. Yeah. Uh, on the Raiders side of things, a big boost. They get Joseph to pine back from his thumb injury. He's on the bench, and Caesar is among the extended bench, but I wouldn't be bringing him back while they're winning. And for the Eels, good news, zero changes. So they are untouched from last week. And this is my second bet of the week. I'm just going to go the Eels head-to-head at 240. Uh, I'm going to go the Raiders just because it's at home. And fair it's enough. Not, it's not helping me, my home... 50-50 games, I'm going with the home team. It's bit me in the ass a few times. Yeah, well, I, I think this is a tough one. I like what both sides are doing. Uh, I just think the Eels for me right now, if they back a performance like last week, I think they can certainly match the Raiders as far as the forward pack's concerned. If Moses plays in it like he does in their back five, that'll be a real good battle. The winger battle and the outside backs and the set starts. There's some big bodies there. Rip again. But Mr. Gossip, he's with you. He's gone the Raiders at home looking to win their fourth game of the season already, which would be a real good start, as are the Parramatta Eels. But the odds for that one, the Pro Sports Syndicate, a dollar fifty-five favourite are the Raiders. So I'm a fan of this the two forty head to head with Parramatta. Minus four and a half the line. One to twelve Raiders, two eighty five, three seventy for the Eels, thirteen plus three dollars for the Raiders, six twenty five for the Eels. 
There you go, bro. Big thanks to the Pro Sports Syndicate again. Keep your eyes open for those best bets, any promo links, and that sign-up. Penrith Solar Center, au. Get onto the boys and those few boys from Melbourne. We'll put you onto that company they've got there. Best bets. Let's see what we can do, Boxhead. Hopefully. Fingers so, crossed. You've got Storm, Souths, and the Broncos at 275. Knights and Roosters at 230. So two multis there for the punters for Boxhead. Hopefully he can break his duck. And I've gone Kikau to score and Penrith to win. That'll be about $354 and Parramatta just head-to-head. So I'm three from eight. Hopefully bump back above 50%. But for now, that's another show, another huge week. All your fan questions answered. Review and preview of games in depth. Gossip, tips, set of six, nothing but rugby league talk. Hopefully another crack around of NRL football is ahead. And the only thing you can do for now is enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where you, what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.